You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. Your voice will change every day. Is that a Billy Ray Cyrus sticker? sticker on your mug? It is. <laughs> it is. I've had to explain that to a few people. They're like, what the fuck is that on your cup? And be like, well, you know who Billy Ray Cyrus is, right? It's the one and only. Have you ever wondered what Billy Ray Cyrus would look like if he were made of weed? Well, now you know. He kind of looks like you a little bit. He does look a little bit like me. He's got that facials hairs. Yeah, but my beard's a bit more scraggly. Like, um, Billy Ray Cyrus has more of the uh, the lined-up beard. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Do you think that when you're that rich... It's you, manicured. Right. Do you think when you're that rich, you have someone who, like, comes to your house and shaves you while you're asleep... I don't know about that, but I, I saw something that was really weird the other day on Amazon, which is a beard. It's a beard trimming guide for your face that you put on the side of your face. It's like this flat, weird shaped yeah. tool. Oh, I, yeah. No, I've never seen that before. That cracked me up. I was like, wow. People, There's a sideburn I mean, I stencil I'm, I guess out I'm doing there. it wrong. I guess I'm doing it wrong because I don't use a tool. How many pieces are in the kit? It's probably like a four-piece kit. It's like well, a brush. Well, because you've got your left a, one, your right one. Well, no, you just flip the one around, and then, oh, it's, and then it's good for the other side. Okay. But it's got a brush. It's got one of those weird things, and then it's got you know some trimmers, and uh, you know that's that's pretty much all there is, and a box, to, a pretty box to put it in. So, I don't know. Anytime, like I try not to judge a book by its cover. I try not to. Not to just judge people right out and just, like, form stereotypes about other people. Well, that's probably I try. a good practice. I try. That's probably good. I think we all try. I think there's a certain degree to which we cannot help it. But there are a few exceptions, and it's only because I simply cannot help myself. Of course. And if I meet someone who has the drawn-on beard look... <laughs> I know we're not going to be friends. Is that what you call them? Is that like a, a version of manscaping? Because I know there's a manscaping that goes down yeah. know, below. I think it but counts like, as manscaping. I think it does, personally. Like you see the guys where it's like, it's technically facial hair, but it looks like somebody it's, sculpted it. And it's the chiseled look. The, the, the chi- I, <laughs> man, is chiseled even the right word? No, it's not actually. I don't think it is. It looks like it was like drawn on with Sharpie, and then texturized with, like, a 3D printer. It looks like a face beard tattoo. Yeah, it does. But a that's textured, what... a lifted face beard tattoo, Yeah, it's though. like AstroTurf on your face. <laughs> it is like AstroTurf on your face. It's weird. It looks, it looks like somebody used one of those guides mm-hmm. to do just the real straight angles. Or, like, know? if you like, if you've seen the... Um, the, the video for Barbie Girl by Aqua. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know yes. how all the characters, it Every, looks like all yeah. their stuff is made of plastic? Everything like they have, is, yeah. They have plastic, yeah. like they're people, 
There's also a Primus video, the Winona's Big Winona's Brown Beaver. Big Brown Beaver. B- Big yeah, Brown Beaver. Yeah, they yeah. have like the plastic features yes. that are like really like surreal and creepy looking. That's what the like marker, like line drawn beard looks like to me. Yes. And you see it a lot with um man, you see it a lot with like aging butt rocker dudes. Sure. They have like they have the line beard and the bandana and the eyeliner and the like the the shirt, the like ill fitting pearl snap shirt that's like open to show their chest, right? And then they have the like dude jeans that aren't dude jeans, they're girl jeans, but they're dude jeans. Right. They like they like have like lacy designs on and embellishments on them and things Correct. like that. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, that that has become that it's it's very Jersey Shore, but it's like rock and roll Jersey Shore. I feel like it's also a mu- uh, a, a magician thing. A magician. <laughs> it's a magician. I'm thing. a magician and a magician. <laughs> we call ourselves magicians. That's, that's that's what I used to call myself. I used to call myself a magician. That's why I slipped there. <laughs> you used to call yourself a magician. Well, I'm a magician. Yeah. Uh, I want to be a beautician. A beautician, which is part. Beautician, Beautician. part magician, Magician. part musician. Musician. So it's like you play shows and perform magic tricks. Like you pull a rabbit out of your hat while you're playing. Like pour some sugar on me. And you're you're like a you you don't have any instrument that you need to worry yourself about. Right. With your band, you could just literally be juggling and shit while you're singing. Tony would have to do the juggling part. You know, Tony actually (laughs) juggles. No. Yeah. Of course he does, right? I, well, of course he does, sure. Yeah, he, he juggles, and he was, um, we've mentioned it before on the show, he was a yo-yo champion before he got into guitars. I did, yeah, I did I he, did catch that, yeah. He, like, traveled around to the food courts of the nation, or at least the Illinois, like, the tri-state area of Illinois, Indiana, and, yeah. and, and Michigan there. And, I mean, I think he went, all, I think he was king yo-yoer of the Midwest maybe at some point. Did or he win least. some fried butter? <laughs> he, <laughs> hey, Wendy, uh, <laughs> he won a Lego set where all the pay- pieces were made out of cheese curds. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a Lego set where you build Bears Stadium out of... Um, out of frozen hot dog parts. Sweet. Welcome. Well, it's savory, actually. It's savory. It's not sweet. Welcome to the motherfucking podcast, episode number 66. This is, of course, the official podcast of the international power rock combo motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. I'm Aaron Howell. I'm Gordo. Yeah, I'm in here with Gordo. Logan's going to be showing up a little later. We might get Tony in on a call. Uh, man, we've had a couple guests fall off lately, as as is want to do in the summertime. Things, that's what things happens kind of when away. a show starts getting popular. People are like, oh, that's, you know, like, I was into that in the first, you know, 25 episodes. But It got know, too commercial. It got, it got too commercial, really. Fa- they have sponsors now and everything. <laughs> well, we've had sponsors <laughs> since day one. You Matula Plumbing, our ride or die, sponsor <laughs> without even knowing it. It's been there since the beginning. <laughs> Um, actually, I was totally thinking of that in the hall, and I was going to make a similar but different joke, which is um, I've got to stop sending episodes for guests to listen to 
because then they listen to the show and they're like, they're like, ooh, no, I'm not going on that. But oh, like, right, 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 right. But right. if you just go, hey, come on my podcast, then they won't do any research because nobody ever does. Yeah, everybody's like, hey, cool, I'll go. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. People are like, sure, I'll show up. It's like if you send too much information about your band to a venue, you know, yeah. people might actually show up to the show and we can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, welcome to the motherfucking podcast, episode number 66. We've got a ton to talk about. Uh, first of all, I want to give a shout out to all our new listeners because if the numbers after this past weekend are, are any indication of new people who are following the band and new people who are checking out some of our content, um, it, we've, we've at least got one or two new people listening, uh, probably for their first and last time. But uh, to all you new listeners, thank you very much for showing up. Actually, and there have been a ton of new people listening to the show. Like, I've been, you know, I check the numbers obsessively, as I'm sure you check the numbers for your band obsessively, and I'm starting to see streams of the podcast from all over the planet. It's crazy, man. It's, That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's, you know, I don't think the same people are listening to everyone. I'm sure I'm sure a few of you out there are the same people who've been listening since day one, Damien, Fawns, you know, shout out to you guys for listening, and and Andy Senarusa and fucking it. I I met multiple. What's up, buddies? Yeah, what's up, guys? But I know that there's other people who have been kind of jumping on piece by piece, and just thank you so much for listening. Thanks, thanks for coming on board. We're we hope we're making it worth your while. We hope we're creating something valuable, and it's not just you know us yammering about nothing all day like ah i mean we talked a little bit about my hemorrhoid treatment but <laughs> i hope i hope we mix in we're past that now i i, I hope i hope the r- ratio of value to banality is is somewhat balanced so you've got to have the banality as contrast gotcha because there's such depth to the rest of the content they are the page upon which the words sit you know yes. what I mean? If you yes. read a book and it was just the words, it's like, where would they be? You know what I mean? You got to have that page. You got to have that background just white they're, they're nothingness. The, they're the hummus layer. Yeah. Well, except or humus. The humus. The humus layer. Yeah. The human layer? The, what what it, is it? The, the humorous <laughs> layer, I would oh. say. Oh. Yeah, man. So thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. Um, please tell your friends about this podcast. Uh, I I keep meeting people who, um, uh, in fact, this past weekend, I met a few people who said that they've listened to every episode of the podcast. Really? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. In Grand Junction, I met a few people that were like, I listen to your podcast. I watch, you know, I watch your YouTube channel. You know, I follow the band. But they're, they're like, dude, we love everything you do. Thank you so much. Keep going. So yeah. for those people who came up and uh, passed that along to us th- this weekend, man, man, thank you so much for sharing that. It's um, it's very validating, and uh, it's it's easy to come and show up and do this week after week. And as you know, I've I've used the terminology before. It's easy to to see real human beings reduced to data points and to likes and to tiny little you know millimeter circles that with your face in there somehow next to a nano you know, data. Yeah, nano data. 
And it's very easy to get disheartened by that. But when we meet people out at shows and in the real world and they tell us that they appreciate what we're doing, man, that just goes such a long way. I think the growth is a testament to the fact that you guys are really good at generating content. Thank you so much. You're just very good at it. Yeah, I I feel um, I feel the biggest part of it is just showing up. Because yes. it would have been very easy to try the experiment of, hey, Tony and I are going to do a podcast on my cell phone and it's not going to turn into anything. And then let it go and it probably would have been collecting dust somewhere out in the ether of the internet. But once you show up week after week after week after week and people start getting used to it, um, you know, I, I, I think it gets people to kind of go, well, maybe there's something here and I'll go check it out. Yeah. So, th- so th- <laughs> good contribution, Gordo. Glad I had you on the show today. <laughs> no, thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you for helping spread the word around. And, uh, and man, thank you for all the positive feedback we've been getting following um, the stuff we sent out from the Blue Oyster Cult show and the Mesa Theater show and all the stuff that we got coming up. We, uh, man, we're, um, we're having a really good time right now as a band. And I just want you guys to know that we appreciate it, and uh, we're excited to see where it goes next. So and you thank- have my guitar, right? Yeah, I have your guitar. I think it's here. Oh, great! Yeah, I think it's here at this. That's good. Thank Dude, God. You made me really nervous there for a second. You're like, you have my guitar, <laughs> right? Dude, it was like I yeah, I'm gonna have to charge extra. For it was that. seriously a few days before <laughs> where Tony's just like, yeah, I'll just use the Gretsch that we've got there, and I'm like, the Gretsch. You mean that guitar that you haven't had? Tony has this this Gretsch hollow body that he got um, he got a few years ago. I want to say Skibbs gave it to him. Shout out to uh, Gene Skibbins. What's up, Skibbs? Johnny Skibbs. Uh, I, I think Skibbs gave it to him a few years ago. But he's, to my knowledge, never played a show with it. Like, it's it's just kind of been sitting in a case... You know, collecting as much dust as a guitar. It's the redheaded stepchild of the collection. Yeah, well, and I talked to him a few days before, and I'm trying to make sure I get everything dialed in for the show, and I'm like, right. and I'm going, okay, what equipment is everybody using? All right, does everybody know that their stuff works? And I'm talking to Tony, and I'm like, so uh, so do you got your gear lined up for the show? And he goes, yep, I'm going to use the PV Bandit and, uh, and the Gretsch. I'm like, the Gretsch, dude, it hasn't been into a shop ever, I don't think. I don't even know if it can hold the tune like he's like oh, i figured i'd change the strings or whatever and i'm like boy it would make me feel a whole lot more comfortable if you would find a, a guitar that's been serviced and played recently uh for the biggest <laughs> one of the biggest shows of our career yeah and he kind of lets out a sigh and he's like all right fine let me figure it out and then i, I guess that's when he called you <laughs> you know and i even said in the conversation i was like I'm not a guitar guy. I don't know anything. I mean, I, I understand that this is probably very annoying to you. You were, you were mentioned in that initial text. Was I? <laughs> what did he say? Aaron's concerned about my gear for the show. You know, like, you <laughs> <laughs> possibly have the, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. But I get it. I get it. I mean, like, especially after what happened to me at our last That was exactly what I show. thought about. It's like you really do have to have all of your shit like together and know for out like without a doubt it's gonna work. Right. Like I no way I don't want to go through that shit again. Yeah. Right. And and the the interesting thing is and and any of the gearheads out there are probably cringing at this, but Tony's little PV bandit, 
It cracks me up that he plays that amp. Dude, like, it's so good. I know. Like it, I it, know. It's so good. It never breaks down. It is like the amp that you, every first band has in the garage. Like it's the one that like, like you're embarrassed for anybody to see you playing on. But god damn it, that thing is. That that thing is a workhorse. Yeah, yeah. It never breaks down. It it gets the sound quality that he wants. Like. Like no tubes to replace. I had a PV for years, man. It's like, for years. It, it, and and I think I was concerned about like I had this vision in my head of us going out on stage and our equipment just looking like shit compared to Blue Oyster Cult's equipment. Oh yeah, and, I don't know what they use. Well, they they well what they ended up doing is they rented a backline. They rented a local backline. They had an amazing oh, backline. Okay, you know, really nice gear, but. Our stuff didn't stand out. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Logan brought his big, you know, uh, Ampeg um, rig, you know, the giant refrigerator, which, by the way, I don't know if you've ever seen Logan's uh, cab, but he had it, um, he had it lined with, uh, what do they call it, rhino skin? Oh. Like the rhino bedding, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And every time we put it away, it just is like it's not fun. And I'm like, hey, Logan, I was thinking, you know, maybe next time you get your amp lined, you could get it just done with cheese grater. You know, <laughs> maybe you could just get it cheese grater plated, just you know, for for ease of lifting in and out of the vehicle. Because man, you catch you catch your knuckle on the side of that thing, or just like just. Walk happen, dude. It's like living in a house with with stucco walls. You know what I mean. My grandma had stucco walls growing up, and it was like when me and my brother and sister were kids playing in the hallway. Like we would play like gunfighters in the hallway. You know what I mean. We'd have like little yeah. cap guns. And we'd play. Yeah. We'd play gunfighters and and hang out. If you ran down the hallway and lost balance. It was seriously like a scene from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> like you're just getting mangled by the traps in the hallway. That's what Logan's guitar uh, bass cap is like. But um, but you know, I mean, and you want to. I wanted to present a certain image, and Tony's red SG. It's I- it's iconic. It's iconic. It's the iconic rock and roll electric guitar. It is. You know. And Angus Young. There is something. All those other dudes. Yeah. <laughs> there is something, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there is something a little goofy about someone going from that look to coming out on stage with a sunburst orange fucking Gretsch hollow body plugged into a PV bandit. My personal opinion is that I think that, like, you're your big fans like the fans that are at most of the shows and they know they they, know they aren't going to care they know your repertoire and like some well, there's some there's some guitar players in your crew like Joey like he would be I'm sure he would be like what is that yeah yeah probably Joey would be like Tony what made you decide I mean, to go like, with the Gretsch this time I'm man. just speaking for myself here I would definitely be like whoa what is, what is going on there? I could just see someone, like, first song break just being like, what's up, Brian Setzer? You know, like, and Tony would take that as a compliment. I'd be like, Brian Setzer's fucking Yeah, he awesome. loves Brian Setzer. He does. But, but, <laughs> I, but, yeah, I don't think it would really be that big of a deal. The main thing for me, above 
the, the you know the uh, I, I guess I'm putting like you know uh, quality you know is job one right right quality is job one so you, you want to make sure that everything works and that's the main thing that you want to worry that about. was like, the, that was honestly the main concern yeah. the, the aesthetics were also a concern well, I will sure. fully admit that sure yeah but I, my I, I main, get that too my main concern was like I wanted to go out there with gear that is like fucking whistle clean man you Rock. know what I mean I want I wanted to go out and make sure that everything was tuned up and ready to go. I didn't want to leave anything to chance. And as it turned out, which we'll get into later on in the episode as we go on, um, all the best laid plans really amounted to nothing in this case. Isn't it funny how that happens? Yeah, it really is. But (laughs) the other thing is, um, because for those uh, astrology aficionados out there, Uh uh, Mercury has been in retrograde, Uh and it has just been a real bear. Oh, God. Um, Actually... As a joke at work, I was like, we should seriously put up a sign. Only because it would be fitting to the brand of Fire on the Mountain is I was like, we should put up a sign that just says, Mercury in retrograde, please bear with us. Yeah, Uranus is in Gatorade. <laughs> like, Uranus that's, that's, is in Gatorade? <laughs> I just, I, I heard that one the other hey, day. Uranus is in Gatorade. <laughs> oh, that's Anyway. Pretty, anyway. <laughs> Uh, no, but what's interesting is some of those situations where everything completely falls apart, the end result ends up uh, ends up being more positive than you imagined in the first place. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to good. We're going to talk about the blue oyster clusterfuck um, oh, that, yeah. that, that we just went to. But first, Gordo, it's been a while since I've seen you, man. What have you been up to? Besides Trump, man, will I was you trying play? To make, I was trying to make those springs do like what they did just a second ago, which they went boing, but they didn't. Oh, there, there we there go. There it goes. There he goes. There. <laughs> These yeah, are not yeah, digital okay. sound effects that you're hearing, yeah, folks. These are, are analog springs on our little stands here. It's real. So Gordo and I are going to do a minimalist um, symphony here real quick using so it's only. inspired by the best of Frank Zappa's. All right. Okay. Yeah, that was All good. Right. So tell me, what have you been up to, dude? What's uh, new? Well, I went to Kansas, back home for a minute, and, uh, you know, just to make a long story short, it was hot. It was really hot. Hotter than it is here, right? Yeah, it was very hot. It was like 110. Because Now, you folks at home can't see this, but Gordo and I are both wearing jorts. <laughs> jorts, well, jean shorts, the Huck, the Huck Finn specials. We are both yes. in sandals. Are you in? Oh no, well, you're no, I, okay. So you're sleeveless. I'm in flip flops, which are now on the floor. Yeah, and it's, it's hot in here. Oh, it's it's it, a boiler in here. Yeah, it's re- it just got really warm in here. But I actually, I'm very thankful I just got back from that hellhole because it it feels just kind of balmy. Yeah, yeah. Compared to that, you don't think of Kansas as really being that like. I think of Kansas as as being the plains and not being that. That much more humid, but it is. It's like way, way nasty. It right? really is, man. I mean, like it can it can be as humid as parts of Florida, parts of the parts of the South. Like it, really, it, it can get that swampy there. Yeah, it can get really. So, what were you back uh, home for? Well, I won't go into that. Okay, okay. But because uh, that that just you know that's a little 
little personal. Okay. But uh, but we yeah we we saw family and friends, and uh, you know you need to check in every now and then. We make it out there every, like once a year, right? Probably like you know, probably should make it back a little bit more often. But uh, but yeah, you know, like it was for the it was you know we we did what we needed to do. It was it was good. We fulfilled the mission, and uh, I came back on a plane last night. And uh, there's an w- airport in Kansas. <laughs> Actually, they just started having flights. Frontier has flights out of Wichita to Denver. They just started that not too long ago. And are the are the Wright brothers from Kansas? Where are the Wright brothers from? Missouri. The, Amelia Earhart is usually associated with Kansas. Oh, okay. she's from Kansas. That's so she's like no, so, so the, la- the last the from... last flight. I, I kind of thought that the last flight out of Kansas was Amelia Earhart's. Yeah, well, I maybe so. Yeah. yeah, you could tell me. Maybe I don't know. Like I, I don't know that. I'm not that. You know, I'm not that keyed in on the the recent history of flight in. It's Kansas. a joke, son. I'm trying to make fun of the fact that your home state doesn't have a. And I'm trying to play straight, man. Like, so, okay, so like, <laughs> so, but basically, uh, I won't. I won't ever choose to fly Frontier again. We had to. Uh, we had to kind of. It's sit the, there the on the tarmac for a long fucking time. I missed my train. I missed my bus. I got home super late. It was a it was a debacle. Speaking debacle. You know, airlines like Frontier and Spirit, they are literally like the rocket bus. Like they are the Greyhound of the skies, man. They're just like they basically give you a lawn chair and just shoot you up into the sky. Yeah. Like and it's now, now speaking of bad flights the 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 bad flights thing is going to is going to come into play when we talk about this blue oyster cult thing and it's interesting to find out that even with first class tickets and flying like high level airlines and and all the resources in the world you're still going to get fucked on a plane every once in a while oh sure you know um tony has a great strategy for dealing with uh, airlines. And we learned this from Mellon and uh, Jana. Do you know Jana? I don't think so. Uh, no. she's, she's a burlesque dancer here in town, bartender, just a, a local character of the scene, very sweet individual. Um, oh, Three Kings, maybe I have. Yeah, there, yeah and she yeah. also happens to be a flight attendant. And oh, she does? Yeah. And the <laughs> secret is when you get on the plane, you give the flight attendants bags of snacks oh. if you give the flight attendants bags of snacks they will straight take care of you man like they will like like tony does this and gets free stuff out of it like gets you know has gotten seat upgrades has gotten all sorts of stuff just because you've made good with the flight crew that makes sense yeah because i mean like that that's a that's a pretty uh thankless job that they have up there yeah know? like it's it's pretty bad yeah and there's there's because of the bad bad experiences that can happen as a flight attendant i imagine that you you're not really differentiating the faces in the crowd of seats you're kind of just it's just another crowd of like oh god what the fuck is going to go wrong on this flight like who's who's going to be the awful monster in this sea of like yeah, D14 has terrible body odor. Yeah, yeah, Jesus yeah. Jesus Christ. It's just, I mean, how many people are on a commercial flight? 
Like, how many seats are there on a commercial flight? Uh, I don't know. What, like on on this on this flight, there were probably around a hundred people on it. So a hundred people just like and crowded it, into this tiny little capsule tube. that they just like shoot into space. You just know? a germ tube that they throw out there, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's you know whatever. I didn't have any baggage. I didn't choose my seat, so they couldn't pin me down on that. I was like, nope. You're only getting the 68 bucks out of me, man. Yeah. Fuck you. That is one thing it's really nice for. <laughs> it's really nice for the, the the solo musician because, especially if you don't need to fly with your guitar, because you just get on with the backpack, throw it under the seat, fall asleep, you know, wake up in the next town, and and you're only out 70 bucks, 100 bucks tops, something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? So that, that part about it is really nice. But... Yes. They are also the worst fucking airlines, man. Terrible. Yeah, I I prefer Southwest. I'm gonna go ahead and just put it out there and say Southwest is my jam. Hey, maybe we'll get a sponsorship you know. deal out of it. Maybe they'll send us some free flight coupons. Fly the Southwestern skies. What 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 is it? I don't know. I don't know what their motto is. What is it? So, fly the Southwest. <laughs> I don't know. Fly the Southwest skies. Only in the Southwest. We don't go anywhere else. But they do. Uh, no, I think what their whole gimmick is is their planes are made entirely of, um, oh, God, Adobe. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I was going to say post-consumer sandals, but that's pretty good. <laughs> post-consumer. That's good. That's good. I mean, and and then, but and they make the coolest sounds when they crash. You know, they go like cling, 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 cling when they. Yeah, it they break right like, apart. Yeah, it just sounds like the other foot dropping. Yeah. <laughs> but dump. Yeah. Can you imagine a plane made out of Adobe? <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Yeah. A brick plane? You'd have to pull it out of a re- you'd have to pull it out of a really big fucking wood fired oven, man. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it would just be made out of those like Adobe roofing tiles. Yeah. You know, like, like the big circular ones that like all the the houses and covenant controlled neighborhoods are made with. Yeah, like this this fuselage was was forged in the fires of Mount St. Helens. We bought this fuselage <laughs> at it was. We found it on a blanket in a in a, in a market in Santa Fe, New Mexico, <laughs> next to some turquoise jewelry and uh, and some comic books from the 1990s with ripped up covers. Oh yeah, you got some house numbers there on the side of the plane. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know the ones. This this is a table. This is a mosaic style table that my wife made. <laughs> anyway, uh, well. <laughs> It's good to see you. Uh, it's good to see you, sir. It's good to be back. It's like after we skip a week, it's like it feels like we didn't. We don't even have a podcast anymore. Yeah, it's like what what happened? We we skip a what week. Happened? It's like it's it, and and nobody like complains. They're like, hey, what's up with the episode or anything like that. It's like it just feels like man, I don't know if I've got it in me anymore. <laughs> that that part of me is just way back in my past and. And I, I just I just don't know I can return to it. It's like when you like the rock star retires or the the actor retires or uh, Robert De Niro or Dustin Hoffman in Sleepers when he's the uh, attorney who hasn't been active for a very long time and he's like I don't know if I can do it anymore. 
Like that's that's kind of what it's like when you. I don't you, know if I have it in me. That that's what happens when you take a week off of doing a podcast. You don't feel like you can talk into a microphone with your friends anymore <laughs> for a couple hours for twelve people. Um, Yeah, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff on today's episode. Uh, We're going to talk about heroes is going to be the theme for the episode. We're going to talk about um, some experiences meeting your heroes. We're going to talk about uh, our experience getting to play a show with a a hero band this week. Um, We're going to talk about... Some relationship of making, com- uh, we're, we're going to talk about making comparisons to your heroes. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about a bunch of things. I got a, I got a bunch of really cool ideas. Um, so he's got notes. Yeah, I do have notes. I have notes every week, yeah, man. He's prepared. I have notes every week. He's a uh, professional podcaster. I wanted to. I, I, I'm going to save the blue oyster cult stuff for when Logan gets here, though. Yeah, you need the dual input on that. Um, yeah, once one slogan gets here, we'll start talking about that. Um, in the meantime, I kind of. By the way, do you know what time it is? I have no clue. Yeah, There's no, no clue. phones in here. Yeah, there this is, is no phone, phones in here. Phone free zone because we're tr- we're trying an experiment. This is organic. I can't believe there's only been two episodes. Like, if phones were indeed the issue, wouldn't it have been more than two episodes I that really, we have with I that kinda, fucking that's, clicking that's on that's it. That's my personal viewpoint. Is I don't think. I don't. I don't think it's phones. I mean, maybe it's the proximity of phones, perhaps. But like having them on the table. Yeah, maybe. You know what I think it is? Is I'm going to blame it on Logan. This is the thing. I'm going to blame it on Logan, because both of those episodes, he had his phone out on the table and he was actively using it. Ah. Uh, yeah. So you can hear the microwaves going. Yeah. 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 You can. You can hear him. Sending fucking bar jokes out into the ether, because Lo- <laughs> Logan is memes and bar jokes. Yeah, because Logan Logan is on the verge of becoming a Twitter comic. Logan, yeah, yeah I believe it. Yeah, he's he's really good at it, and he's also he's a bartender at at a Colfax bar, and I I feel like everybody who knows a bartender has the friend who like sends out the jokes before they're about to do the shift, and they're like, here's the joke. Also, come see me slinging drinks here all Friday night. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, you got to do it. You got to get people to come see you at the bar. So so Logan sends a lot of, of bartender jokes out into the world and, and, and a lot of snarky, like, uh, his snarky little bar observations. His most recent and my most favorite one that Logan put out recently is he just put out a post that just said, Nice Dave Matthews band shirt, dude. The yeah, I, that that got me. Like I I had a that just like that is so indicative of Logan. That is so like true to brand. You know that it that I I could just hear it coming out of his mouth when I saw it posted. Yes. Yeah. Um. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about in relationship to to heroes is you and I have talked about this a little bit. Um, the tendency to make comparisons of one's self and one's artistic trajectory to people that we respect or look up to. Sure. Not just people that we respect or look up to, but people who are so far up in the stratosphere that we can scarcely comprehend it. High up the food chain. You know what I mean? Like I watched, 
I watched uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I finally got around to watching Bohemian and Rhapsody. And what did you think of that? So first of all, um, so let's start with the things that I liked about it. That's a good place to start. I thought, I thought it was really inspirational. I thought it was really fun. I thought the character portrayals were done pretty well, pretty well. Although I do think the guy who won all the Oscars, who played Freddie Mercury, I think he portrayed him kind of creepy. Okay, like, well that's not positive. Keep it, keep it positive. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll get to negative. Okay, we'll trust to, me, we'll get to negative. Uh, trust me, we will get to negative. <laughs> um, I really liked the the Wembley scene. I really the the Live Aid Wembley scene, the recreation of that. Interesting. I thought that that was really cool. Okay. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was fun to see a dramatization of that band's story. Right. Now. Let it fly, brother. Now, the <laughs> things that I did not like. I did think that, um, or the, 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 the things that just, I didn't, that kind of made me go, eh. Um, I didn't, like, I thought, I kind of thought the portrayal of Freddie Mercury was a little, um, a little oh, almost too weak and um, creepy and a little too insecure, and I felt like they they harped on the drama in his life. Like I I I, I felt like they um, they may have distorted the drama in his life a little bit. To my understanding, and this is just to my understanding from like watching other documentaries and other things that I've learned about him, I was always of the impression that his relationship with his family was always pretty pretty harmonious, pretty good. Um, I know that he did go to boarding school in India when he was a younger man. That was another thing is they they show him getting on stage with um, with smile mm-hmm. uh, for the first time. And he's he's kind of shy and insecure and whatnot and, and kind of awkward. But he had a popular band in boarding school. Mm-hmm. Freddie and the whatevers mm-hmm. like he. He went by Freddie long before he was ever in Queen. Like he stopped. He stopped going by Farouk. Uh, Farouk. Yeah. Be- before he even went to England, he right. went. He went by Freddie as a boy. And that's a lot of. There, there's a lot of factual things. Just knowing things about Queen that bug me about that. Movie. Right. You know, there's things that happen out of order. There's songs that are thrown into this era when they're not in that era. There, and I understand. And the, and the whole fact that they broke up. They never broke up. They never yeah. broke up. Like, yeah. you know, like, uh, things like that bother me. They had to have drama, and they had to make a movie, and I understand that. But, and, and I don't know, I, I just kind of feel like, don't make the movie then? You know right. what I mean? Or do, I think, like, or do, like, the documentary to end all documentaries? Or do the biopic to end all biopics and make it an, an epic, long one? You yeah. know what I mean? I thought that they underplayed the contribution of the other members, especially um, John Deacon. Like we've got to get experimental. experimental. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's like one of the worst parts of any movie. I, can... I will tell you what. <laughs> here's uh, here's my just one sentence synopsis of this movie. If there was never a band called Queen that you had never heard of in your life, it's an awesome movie. Yes. 
Yes. No, and uh, agreed. If you're not a fan of Queen at all, if you have never heard of them, or it's like, I don't know. I just, I didn't think they, like, I, I am sure that that Freddie Mercury had his insecurities like anyone else, but I didn't, I, I, I felt like they had to show more crisis than might have necessarily been there. Yeah. And like, especially, the, especially the stuff with his dad and like his dad not accepting him and then his dad finally coming to accept him in the end, you know? Yeah. I, I just don't know how. That's just, that's just typical Hollywood bullshit though. I'm going to eat a little piece of this edible, um, this brownie here. Eat some, eat granny. some edible. That's a good segue. Eat it with your real teeth, which Rami Malik did not have in that movie. <laughs> I will tell you something. That is one of the most embarrassingly horrible prosthetic ideas I've ever seen in a biopic. The extra movie. teeth is this this these preternatural, just buck teeth from Mars. Like did they, he... they were they were just so far out of whack. It's like you know what. I think we probably could have gotten the idea that that's Freddie Mercury without the fucking buck teeth. Like, you don't need to put a couple bars of soap in the dude's upper lip for me to know, okay? Okay? Did, like, and do we know that that was a selling point that he he made to the band? He was just like, like, like Roger, what's his name? The, 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 the drummer? Oh yeah, Roger. I, I'm talking about how they underplay the contribution of these other guys, and yeah. I don't even know, you know, I don't even know their names. But you know, Brian May, John Deacon, who by the way, Roger I didn't Daltrey. know. I didn't know. I didn't know John Deacon's name until I watched the movie. John Deacon, yeah, yeah. But Roger, the drummer dude, yeah, he's the dentist, you know, and he's like, he's like, not with those teeth, mate. Like, is that? Do we know that? Do we know that? Like, the dentist was just like, uh, uh-uh. uh. I'm not going to be in a band with a guy who has bad teeth. And then he sings and and they have that like moment where they harmonize together. And then he's like um he he's like I have, I was born with four extra incisors. More room means greater range. It's like no, you I I think it's like a lifetime of of musical training and like going to the like best schools and like like being being a groomed artist. What are for... you talking about? It's always the incisors. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> What's hey, the inside you know story? What? You know what? The the you know why my voice sounds the way it does is because I've got a gigantic fucking forehead, man. Yeah, it's just a giant resonation chamber. I'm like the the opera singer in the Fifth Element. Have man. you seen my I've uvula? Got... <laughs> I mean, You're come what? on. What? <laughs> Boys don't have uvulas. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Fellers, fellers don't have a uvula. I, I got to say, I honestly thought, like, at the end of the, 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 when the whole end of the movie was just that performance at Wembley, I was like, you could have just shown the footage from Wembley. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I don't know. I was just like, I was a little. So you didn't like the recreation? I was not too hip to that. I was, I, and I, I, I guess, I don't know what it is about me that, I, I really don't know what it is about it. I guess it was just, it's like, we're going to. Uber produce this thing that's been widely covered and widely seen for for years and years and years. We're no, this is this is the perspective we want. We want to shoot this with twenty drones, okay? And we want to, you know, we definitely want to get that overhead shot. 
we're gonna have to go back and do that. And po- can... we're gonna have to in- we're gonna have to put some CGI in there. Okay, we're gonna CGI in a, a half a million people or whatever. Exactly. It was. It's just like no, you don't need to do that. You know, well, actually, what what, what was it like? Fifty thousand people is that how many it was that were that, that were just there in the stadium? The, that Ninety thousand something like that. That was the number that paid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that the paid. <laughs> Um, I I can't now I'm going to disagree with you there because I think that that was cool that they tried to show what it was like in that environment that day right because all we have is what we've seen of the performance from that day from you know what was broadcast on Live Aid and they tried they attempted to show more of like what it was like on stage for them which I did think was was pretty cool and I, 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 di- I didn't really like that they just kind of, like, wedged Jim Hutton into it, and they just wedged in, like, the the reconciliation with his family. He's just, like, he uh, comes by on his way to Live Aid, and he's like, this is my boyfriend, Jim Hutton. I'm on my way to Live Aid. Dad, I'm going to do that thing you told me. Mom, I'll blow a kiss to you. Bye. <laughs> like, it's like, wow. <laughs> if that's the way it went, man, that's like... Yeah, it's like Freddie, yeah. you were dude, you were late for load in. Where were you? Oh, I had to stop by my parents' house to reconcile with my dad. Tell my mom I would blow her a kiss and introduce him to my boyfriend Jim Hutton, who I've just recently be- re- begun a relationship with. Yeah, when when clearly the narrative has gone above the writer's head, it's time to just. I also <laughs> throw some shit in. There. I also have a correction to make. I made some judgments based on Tony describing the movie to me. And I, and I kind of want to clarify those a bit. Like, Tony, the way I heard Tony describe it, it sounded like, hey, and Logan just walked in the door. What's How you up, doing, buddy? Dude. D- Logan, we're having oh, the... Oh, and he's wearing a Fu Manchu oh, shirt. And he brought, he a, brought fan. a fan! Oh, oh my, my God. God. I decided I can't do this anymore without, like, my own personal fan. Oh, you dude. fucking fat and old rock. Guys. Dude, it's, it's, it's awful in here. I don't blame you. It's terrible. No, I mean, it really is I'm bad. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about life in general. I can't go anywhere in life without a fan. I'm just taking this in the car with me wherever I go. Quiet. It's a smart move. I love it. Oh Oh my god. That's already ten times better. better. Dude, that already just saved our fucking bacon. You just saved the show. Is that our balls? I don't know. The last time I came into the studio, (laughs) I was seriously going like, how are we going to keep this podcast going during the summertime? When it's like a hundred degrees inside yep, time, this time, studio, time to shorten up those episodes, dude. I took a, I took a nap in the green room the other day, and I was like, I really, like, I was like, I'm not gonna go all the way home to take a nap before work. It just doesn't make any sense. And I wish that I had gone all the way home to take a nap in my nice air conditioned home, rather than try and sleep in a hundred degree fucking stuffy ass green room. It was. It was really bad. Anyway, do you think so, this is picking this up? Like, yeah, but it, who cares? Okay. Like, we, okay. I mean, we've got the window open too. When okay. we when we did the mutiny episode, we had, we are getting a little bit of something. Yeah, on. There, there's definitely something going on. It might be more yours than. I think it's it's because it's aimed it's, at your. Yeah, your just uh, just change the. There you go. Oh yeah. Yeah, get, just get a little. Yeah, just get a little closer to your mic. Yeah. Or yeah, you could block it even. Yeah, there you go. Just yes. get a little closer to your mic. It was just catching 
the the mic was catching. Hey, and and our and our faithful audience gets to listen to us troubleshoot audio troubles here in the yeah, studio. It's just a little warm. Sorry. Behind the scenes, this is one of their favorite things. You know what? That's what I was talking about about the like showing the Wembley stuff in the Queen movie. It's like people want to see the behind the scenes stuff. They want to know what the day was like. Were there fans picking up on the microphones? Did they? What kind of gaff tape did they use to tape they down the of, cables? They kind of. They didn't have the right number of cups that were on the piano. Like I was a little disturbed. <laughs> I by was that. paying attention to that too. I was like, I was like, huh? I want to go back and watch it and see if the cup arrangement configuration is, you know, who's the continuity expert on this fucking film? Was that Coke Classic? Mm, I don't know if it was Pepsi cups. Couldn't it? Mm. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, and they also glued some pubic hairs to fucking uh, Mike Myers' face. Did you notice that? Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was, woof. That was pretty rough. But, woof. Um, oh, <laughs> so the correction that I wanted to make is when I heard Tony describe the movie, it sounded to me like they tried to make it sound like when he was touring in the United States, he was turned gay and then had to kind of like come out to his wife. And I just don't think I that don't, that's historically I don't, accurate. I don't like too. how they handled his sexuality at all. Honestly. Right. I think it was really just poorly handled in the script. Like, right. It's just like, really? It like, seemed that like they added a lot of things into to toe the ideological line of present of modern social norms. Like, like they have that discussion. She's like, she's like, Freddie, you're gay. And the worst part is it's not even your fault. It's like, <laughs> is that because my understanding of their relationship was just I that. I forgot about that. My understanding of their relationship oh, was God. just like, you know, he was kind of like ambiguous and androgynous across the spectrum in general. He yeah. started to explore his his uh, his homosexuality more. He was, he was bebopping and scatting all over the yeah, place. But yeah, but my understanding was that his wife always understood that. Yeah. You know, that, and that was my understanding too. And I mean, I haven't talked had, to her in a while, but that, uh, yeah. I mean, just from <laughs> like things that I've I've seen in other documentaries and things that I've read about was that was that they always had a very open and honest relationship and it wasn't so dramatic as the film made it out to be. A lot of things in the movies are not as dramatic as they're made out. Like, right. I, like I said, if you never wait, knew there was wait. a band called Queen, it's a great movie. I Let me uh. put it this way. I enjoyed it. Sarah watched it and was like, how sad. That was Sarah's... <laughs> That was Sarah's response. I to love the movie. that. I love that review. She I thought love it. she just was like, "What a sad, sad story." And I'm and I'm looking at her. and I'm like, "Yeah, but I don't think that's the real story." <laughs> She's like, "It's just wow, what a sad, you know, it's classical narcissistic behavior." And, and I'm like, "I'm sure Freddie Mercury was a narcissist. Sure, totally sure that he was a narcissist. I'm sure there is truth to many of the things in that film." Logan, drop your two cents. Do it. Yeah, you have something to say. I, I I liked the movie. Like, um, it, it was really good. Um, but I, I found myself the whole time going, uh, any any Hollywood documentary movie, I'm like, I I, I call bullshit. Like, right, right, right. I'm of like, course. Yeah, there's something in here that 
somebody was like, oh, let's fucking fluff up this part, you know? It's like, it's like um, yep. in the Chernobyl series. Have you watched Chernobyl no, yet? No, I haven't. It's, I have not either. Definitely check it out. It's worth a watch. They have a character in that series who is supposed to be a composite of many of the scientists that were there in the area. Is at, his at name the time. Dan Deacon? <laughs> John Deacon. <laughs> oh, John Deacon. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Dan Deacon. Dick Dude. Deacon. No, uh, Roger Deacon. Let's Roger just Daltry. make them all into one character. Yeah, we're, we're we're having a discussion, and I was like, I don't like that they underplayed the contribution of the other three members. And then I'm like, there's that scene where. What's his name? Roger, the drummer. <laughs> Freddie, Freddie Mercury's in retrograde. Yeah, yeah. Freddie Mercury is in retrograde. Hey! Um, space. Oh, no, it was... Uh, space joke. It was... Uh, <laughs> no, so there, there's things that they do when, they're, when they are uh, adapting a, um, a story for a film where they're like, let's just move this into a different place on the timeline so that it makes sense and we can use it as a narrative device because there's got to be crisis and conflict or it's going to be the most boring film ever made. And it's like if you're trying to tell someone a story but you have to give them every single detail about it, 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 it can ruin a good story. So I understand why they did what they did because they wanted to tell a, a myth about the band Queen. But for people like us, I think, who are true fans and musicians, it falls short when somebody presents a tall tale about someone that you really do respect, about someone who, who is a hero. You know what I mean? And I, I, I really thought, and I got to agree with Tony on this, um, oh, it, first of all, to finish out my correction, from what I observed in the movie, it wasn't so much that they... They portrayed it as his touring in the United States turned him gay. They turned it more into, like, a, th a thing where he struggled with it more and had to come out about it. And I don't think that that's necessarily the truth. I think he had a pretty clear idea about who he was, like, was very secure in the person that he was for a very long time. That's the impression that I've gotten and that people just kind of responded to that. Another, th another thing that we talked about that I think that they were just kind of overlaying modern cultural ideology onto it is they talked about the name of the band. And in interviews that I've seen with the other guys in the band, they said, we called the band Queen because our lead singer was a mincing queen. They're like, he was like, they're like, we were like, this guy is a character. People are going to love this character. Like, like this is, this is crazy. Let's call the band that. That was my understanding of it. But they couldn't really attach that because it, it might be taken in the wrong way. And so they're like, well, just omit that and then just add in the, as in her royal majesty sort of thing. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, 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 now, that is just based on my understanding on a couple documentaries that maybe, I've watched. Maybe we should change our band name to Blabbering Loudmouth Fuckface. <laughs> <laughs> blabbering? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're Blabbering Loudmouth Fuckface! <laughs> I love you. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, no, dude. That's that the joke hilarious. of the month. Are you that kidding me? That is hilarious. Did you, see the, uh, did you see the thing I posted today? 
about uh, the 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 Howlin' Wolf hologram? No, I didn't see it. Like uh, early beta, t- like the, the I posted a picture of us from the Mesa Theater that Tessa took, and there's like this light coming in from the back, and mm-hmm. I've kind of got like purple light on me, so it almost makes it look like I'm being projected onto the stage. Mm-hmm. And I just had this idea. I was like, I was like, oh, the Howlin' Wolf hologram. So I was like, uh, I was like, early, early beta tests uh, of the Howlin' Wolf hologram have been have been quite favorable. The best part, no beard hairs, no bullshit. Nice. So, I like it. It's pretty yeah. good. So to wrap that up, Star Sorry. is Born is better. Now, I actually really didn't like A Star is Born. <laughs> I, I didn't see I, a Star. I didn't. I, I was didn't. like, I wish that shit was real. I didn't like A Queen Star movie, is Born. movie, I was like, that shit's real. I don't like the movie. I mean, any of these, like, Hollywood, like, rock star movies that are coming out, like I said, I... I, it's hard for me to watch them because I call bullshit the whole time. Of course, I'm it's like, it's it's all like, just yeah. I don't trust any of this story. Oh and yeah, like, you can't. Like I know a little bit about the history of Queen and like uh, some of these other movies that have come out, but like any time I'm like, this is all bullshit. None of it. I, I don't take it as truth. You know. I like to start with Born is better because. I knew it was all bullshit. It's easier to suspend your disbelief <laughs> in a work of fiction than it is in historical fiction. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I know Lady Gaga is a talented person, but the other fella... Bradley Cooper? Bradley Cooper. I I, I think that's why I didn't see it. Um, like, he played, he played a drunk really well. Uh, I Okay, that I did like. Like I thought he was one of the best drunks I've ever seen portrayed on, uh, on screen. Ma- uh, musician, I don't. Eh, you know. I thought okay, so this is what I thought of A Star Is Born, is obviously Lady Gaga is fucking awesome. Sure. I thought the characters were great. Strong. I thought I, I thought the characters were strong. I thought um, I understand that they were trying to remain true to the the story because that's the fourth time they've remade I think a star is born the fifth time it, is it like it, they made it in the 30s <laughs> they made star it in the, is born yeah. again again like, each decade has their own and it, and it's with and, some more relevant people <laughs> and it's and th- i know that they were trying to follow that same um that same storyline i didn't think that the um suicide was whoa, whoa, whoa. as believable in spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I didn't I didn't think <laughs> I didn't, haven't seen it. <laughs> I didn't think the suicide was as believable in a modern context. To me, it seemed like he had gotten out of rehab. There's the manager guy who's like, how long do you think it is till you fuck this up for her again? And I think I just thought where it was on the Chris Cornell pills. Well, I, I I feel like where we've come in terms of mental health awareness, I think that celebrities are generally on the cutting edge of mental health. And, um, and I think that I found it less believable that someone in his position would result to such a drastic measure so quickly. It might have been more... Maybe just that level of drama. Aaron, imagine what would happen if you pissed yourself on the Grammys. Just, if I just, pi- just think about it. Right. <laughs> imagine. Imagine. I've pissed myself quite a few times I was while drunk. Say. Yeah, I've pissed In myself. In an alternate <laughs> universe, this has happened. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I just I don't know. It, Alternate universe. Yeah, it yeah. seemed to me to me in the near future. To me, it's <laughs> to me it seemed pasted in for the sake of staying true to the 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 broad strokes of the storyline. Yeah. Um. I I kind of walked away. I kind I I walked away not feeling moved by that. You gotcha. know, I, gotcha. I walked away feeling that it was disjointed and I had to look up and find out that it was a remake. And it's like, oh, I guess if it's a remake, that makes sense. But I it, I don't know. It just I, I think that if they had come at it like a whole new movie and found a better way to lead up to the suicide, the dramatic impact might have have hit me harder. Probably not as believable as Spider-Man on Vacation or, or whatever. <laughs> I, what is that movie? Spider-Man on Vacation. That's Bull, what it's called. Bullhead Jake. Um, no, Spider-Man wh- on whatever. Vacation. That's what it's called. Okay. <laughs> it's 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 Weekend at Spider-Man's is what it's called. <laughs> weekend at Spider-Man's. <laughs> Irving Spider-Man. It's a, Sp- Spider-Man's house, and it's just like it's Spider-Man on the front, just like his parents are out of town, and he's like. Drinking a fucking daiquiri out of a fucking hollowed out pineapple, and there's all these girls with their tops being pulled off by a speedboat, and, and some he's robbers just got the that are look trying. On his face, like I don't, I don't know. know. I got into some. Joe, what's gonna happen? Spider Man's vacation. Actually, Spider Man's Sp- European vacation. Spider <laughs> Spider Man dies. Spider Man dies defending the city, and it's this really sad thing. And then uh, let's see, Tony Stark. And Captain America get a scheme together to convince some wealthy investors that Spider-Man is still alive. And so they prop him up, and they've got him on strings and stuff like that. And Yeah. Weekend at Spider-Man's. I love it. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. National Lampoon wow. um, presents. I don't know. And... and um, <laughs> Another and Spider-Man. The, 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 the other thing with A Star is Born is... Spider-Man's the songs were okay, <laughs> but the way that they presented the songwriting process and and I don't know that I didn't I didn't like the songs that much I I don't know it to, to me I walked away from that movie feeling kind of see see I didn't see the movie but didn't a, after it came out wasn't it public knowledge that those two were. Mashing, squishing mashing stuff and parts together. Oh, they're doinking the doink. Yeah, the doink. I, I don't know. I don't I know really if it's it like, like I don't really keep up with. But that, that was stuff. the rumor. I don't know. What? Do you not go to the grocery store ever and read the headlines while you're waiting in line? I don't know. I just saw that Martha Stewart was pregnant. <laughs> with Snoop Dogg's baby. Whoa! <laughs> Scandal. <laughs> no, I, 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 I just think they were like. Smashing parts together, and uh, people were picking up on that. And people were like, "Oh, look at the way they were looking at each other." And it's like, "Well, they're actors and shit." But also, yeah, probably. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that turned out to be true. It might have also been uh, deliberate uh, misinformation, like like like, building up the uh, the hype of the movie. Dude, I'll tell you one thing that really was weird to me. Was that like they took this like idea that they're they're kind of this like weird it's like this kind of 
alt country almost kind of vibe. And then like, she becomes a pop star. And then she becomes a pop star. That really didn't jibe with me. I was like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Like she she's writing really solid songs that need to be on like a fucking Kelly Clarkson album, but she's going out and doing all these fucking voguing bullshit maneuvers and I, I yeah, they, I just don't really the, the song that she did on Saturday Night Live in that movie was like objectively annoying, right? Like, was it supposed to be annoying, or was it supposed I, to be a hit? See, but that's what, that's, that. yeah, that was my only, like, tweet about this movie, was like, were they supposed to be annoying songs? <laughs> because they totally were. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a couple of good songs, and then there's some really annoying songs, and there's some that are just like, But is eh, that us just know. being jaded, cynical musicians? Of course. Of course. <laughs> like, well, like, what kind of question is like, that? Like, it be both things? <laughs> I mean, there were there were there were things about it that were very fun. It could be two things. It could be, um, it could be all things. The, the the relationship. The also, I found it hard to believe that Sam Elliott was his brother. Sam Elliott is a hundred years old, man. What are you talking about? And I what are you talking fucking about, Aaron? and I love Sam Elliott. Sometimes but, the Gaga eats you. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Elliott. Was that in that speaking, movie? Speaking, speaking of Sam Elliott, have you ever seen Lifeguard? Yes. With Sam Elliott? Yes. He um he takes like a 14-year-old girl's virginity in that movie, doesn't he? It's ah, the pretty 70s. weird. It's pretty weird. And 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 that that's an that's what I'm kind of talking about about like cultural context. Did you find, did you find this movie in your dad's uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh, in my dad's dad? stash? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I never saw Was that one. It wasn't in my dad's stash. It might have been in my grandma's stash. Lifeguard, oh. <laughs> Lifeguard was this 1970s. The real stuff. <laughs> it was this 70s, you know, coming of age tale. And Sam Elliott plays this. It was his first film, I think. Yeah, I think it is. And he plays a lifeguard. And it's all about him, like, you know, it, like it's kind of like uh, the roadhouse of its time without the karate kicks. It's all about, like, this guy and his adventures and being a lifeguard and the crazy lifestyle that surrounds it. And there's a scene <laughs> where this 14-year-old virgin goes into his, his lifeguard tower and, and he deflowers her. And, like, you watch that from a modern context and you're like, ooh, Sam Elliott. Like, but, but even objectively, from any context, it's a bad fucking movie. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But I mean, like, if, if, good. if if a it's lifeguard already on my cue, bro. If a if a lifeguard like if a lifeguard was hooking up with a fourteen year old girl now, there would be like some like huge BuzzFeed article that was just like it's like scandal on the beach. Lifeguards under investigation for. For sexual, uh, what would you call it? Uh, uh, Misconduct? Uh, perversions? Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I, I guess lifeguards just weren't a big thing in Denver and um, Kansas. Yeah. In places. Like, Kansas, they, they hey, we have lifeguards were. at the pool. Well, I know we have lifeguards, but there's not like this. Beach lifeguards. This, like, yeah. The underground society of lifeguards. <laughs> where they're just, like, underground you know, society. Like doing. Coke you ready to get jumped in? Titties and just. Yeah, it's like, like this is pre like Baywatch, the, the dark the Baywatch, <laughs> right? <laughs> Kansas City lifeguards, like, right? Everybody, yeah, dude, the real, the real lifeguards of Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> 
the, the, the next scene, the next scene after that is just like the girl wakes up in a bathtub full of ice, and Sam Elliott and the other lifeguards are like cutting out her spleen and selling it on the black market. I, I, I and he kind of nicks I, a vein. He's like, I "Won't get much for this." <laughs> fuck, fuck, we fucked up. We fucked up. What are we gonna do now? You just killed somebody. Well, you get to cut up the body this time. He just licks it and throws it against the ceiling like a <laughs> yeah, yeah. like a turtle. And he ends We're up out of here. He, he ends up getting convicted because um, the forensic investigators find one of his mustache hairs on the body, <laughs> and, and then then we see a um, I, I'd know that mustache hair anyway. <laughs> the forensic files <laughs> That's a episode. Sam Elliott mustache hair. <laughs> a mustache hair and a lifeguard tower give forensic investigators the clue. To solving a thirty-year-old cold case. In this case, it really was the forensic evidence that brought this killer to justice. The mustache hair found on the body and the mustache hairs on match the mustache in the Big Lebowski. It was a match. Law and Order lifeguard unit. <laughs> we made a lot of forensic files jokes this weekend. So. A forensic oh, mass spectrometer was used to. <laughs> the Good mustache God. hair was put under an electron microscope. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. So well. So, yeah, okay, there you okay. have that. Okay. So the, the 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 point that I was trying to get to, <laughs> like an hour ago. <laughs> Is the, the the overall benefit that I got from watching um, Bohemian Rhapsody was I had this experience of being very inspired by how enormous a character and how enormous a talent Freddie Mercury was. Sure. Like just being a like I was taken in by the the uh, the lionization and heroification of that that character and just what like and like a, a remarkable human being that he was right and um, pizza's here. What it did get me th- <laughs> what Sorry. what it got me thinking of is I've mentioned this before on the episode in relationship to being a musician and balancing out being a dad with all of that right. And how I've, I've said to people multiple times, I'm never going to be Freddie Mercury, but maybe I can be the Freddie Mercury of being a dad. You know what I mean? And by that, I don't mean like, you know, just being like, come on, son, let's go out. And, you know, and, and like being very flamboyant. And, and It's time to get some corrective tooth work done to your son. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it'd be a lot cooler <laughs> if you did that. But I mean, I mean like being, being an iconoclastic father, you know, yeah. like being... And I've thought about that, but what I did think of recently that I kind of added into that is I may not ever be able to be Freddie Mercury, but Freddie Mercury and Queen were so huge and made such an impact that even if I were to achieve 1% of their success and 1% of their output and 1% of their contribution, that would still be enormous. And if I could hit that 1%, I can focus on incrementally reaching the other 99% of what they became. You know what I mean? Sounds good. So it's kind of, it's kind of like broken up my, the mountain into, into milestones and waypoints for me. It's like, like if you took how many records 
has Queen sold in all time? You That's know a what good I mean? Question. Like Gordo, look it up. Yeah, Gordo, look it up. <laughs> if, and if I, if oh, I achieve, he's not in there. Don't if, have the. Phone. If I achieved even one percent of that, that would be a huge accomplishment. You know what I mean? So kind of like, kind of going, man, it would be awesome to achieve what a band like Queen achieved, right? For. Uh, in, in, in the real world, in, in all actuality, it probably won't happen. And maybe that's a limiting belief on my part. But maybe if I use that as kind of a guiding star and kind of focus on just hitting these very, very impressive, small, like, incremental parts of their overall success. And it kind of, I, I don't know, it, to me it kind of made something more reachable for me. You know what I mean? It gave me something, gave me something to strive for. It's like, all right, let's let's hit that first waypoint and then see what happens. I think everything you just said is notable. I will also say, I agree with Tony, there's not enough shit about his Brian pedals. May. Brian May's pedals. Yeah. There's not enough shit in there, and they didn't spend near enough fucking time on the Flash Gordon soundtrack, which was probably their they crowning did, achievement. They didn't spend Dude. any time on the yes. Flash Gordon <laughs> soundtrack. Agreed. They're like, dun, 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 dun. Next scene. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. It's like, no, no. And um, the, jo- they... Should have made a whole they, movie about that. They presented John Deacon as this total nothing character. You know what I mean? This He's, like He was just kind of there to throw a shitty look every now and every then. Every now and then, yeah. He just, it, like, he just glanced over and it's like, disapproving look from John Deacon. He did, he, <laughs> from what I understand, he did, he did eschew the limelight a lot. He did not, like, the documentary I saw that he was in, he didn't want to be interviewed for. Right. Like, he, he, declined, he declined to be in the Queen documentary just because he wasn't interested in, in being in that. So that is something that is true to form with him, but he wrote some of their best songs. He was a riff, he was a riff monster. He was a riff monster. He wrote You're My Best Friend, which is easily one of Queen's top five songs I, I would say it's it's an incredible achievement and um yeah i don't know and and brian may like it seemed like they just did a lot of like put the camera in that character's face and go huh doesn't he look like the curly haired guy the second most popular guy in the band huh check it out Brian, what's his name? The guitar guy the We've one you know a got little to get better. experimental yeah 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 that Anyway, anyway, so I thought it was I thought it was interesting to have that experience of like seeing this mythologization, if that's a word, of the story of one of my heroes, and then begin to start thinking of ways that like, no, I may not ever achieve what they achieve, but how can I start to do things that'll move towards achieving even a portion of their success because that would still be fucking amazing Yeah, because they were so huge. Be like the guy in Bohemian Rhapsody. Don't be like the guy in Starsborn. <laughs> yeah, don't. Stay alive. For sure. Stay alive and don't drink so much. Yeah. Stay so, away from the pills. Yeah. So, so do you think Elton John, since he's alive, while well, his movie got put out, do you think he had say in like, yo, you gotta 
pull that shit from my fucking movie. Well, I haven't seen that. I have not seen that, and I I, I don't know if I will. I'm just saying, like, maybe it made a big difference, him being alive and being like, yo, I don't want you saying that about me and, like, putting it in my story, you know? I know the surviving members of Queen... Uh, were executive producers of Bohemian Rhapsody, weren't Brian, they? Brian May was. Brian sure. May was involved in it for sure. And maybe maybe the drummer Roger Daltrey. Right. <laughs> Roger Dodger, I think is his name. <laughs> yeah, Roger actually. Dodger was That's where the saying comes from. The, Roger the term, Rabbit. Roger <laughs> Yep. yep. Roger, Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Roger Rabbit signed some documents. I did think it was funny yes. that they just ripped yeah. relentlessly on I'm in love with my car. Yeah, they because that song's a piece of shit. It's it, that song's a piece of shit, and from a production standpoint, it's still a masterpiece compared to anything my band has ever put out. But it's like for a Queen song, for a Queen song, I'm in love with that statement. I'm in love with my car. I just don't know about that. Yeah, I'm in love with my car is pretty bad. It's but pretty, I, I mean, you know, like some really good bands have have done some really horrible songs. I mean, I think I, we can all agree on that. I th- I thought I thought that that part was hilarious. But to answer your question, Logan, I think if somebody drives a truckload of money up to your house and you are forty years or fifty years removed from that part of your life, I think you really don't care. I think they I think they give their contribution and they'd go, I'd prefer it was like this. I'd prefer if it was like this. My name is going to be attached to it and whatnot. And, and I'm sure the writers go, well, if we don't do this, it won't make any sense from a storytelling point of view. And I think they go, okay, well, if you could change this thing, that's fine. But I am getting like an obscene amount of money from the telling of my story. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I am sure that there are things, and I haven't seen the Elton John movie yet. I'm sure there are things in it that are not factually accurate, but I'm sure they have, the, the studios that make the biopics probably have a whole speech that they give to artists where they're like, hey, we want to make a movie about your story. And like they, they probably have some sort of cute language where they're just like, we're going to present just an alternate history. We're going to tell like... We're going to tell a legendary myth that is based in truths that happened in your life. And after you're gone, this will be how people remember you, and it'll make you look bigger than you were in real life. Or it'll... it'll, it'll you know when you guys are in the room and you're riffing? We're just going to riff on that. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah. just going to riff on your story, okay? You know when you're riffing and you're just jamming? You're We're going to jam on your story. You know when you guys you said... cool cats are riffing and jamming yeah, and you know, popping? Yeah, you know how it goes, guys. You guys are into the music. You guys are... You know, you guys are rocking, you know, when you've got your... You know, guitar or your, your saxophone or whatever this it is. This is like, you know, play. he's playing in C minor. I want to, you know, I just want to do a solo on J minus all over this. <laughs> anyway... Uh, Logan, now that you're here, I've been here for a while. It, I've I've been here an eternity. It feels like. Now that you're here, I wanted to tell people about the Blue Oyster Cult show. Let's hear about it. Mm. Uh, or let's hear about the whole weekend. As I've been calling it, the Blue Oyster Clusterfuck. Yeah, he coined it. Yeah, um, man. So. For those of you who don't know, the people who have been kind of following as things have been developing, you know, the people who have been following our social channels have have heard a bit about this. But if you have no idea what we're talking about, 
um, we're, we're just going to tell it as, as though n- nobody listening knows anything about it. So we were, uh, a few weeks ago, offered a slot opening for the legendary Blue Oyster Cult in Grand Junction, Colorado, which was like when we got the offer, such a huge deal. Not only to, to the opportunity to open for, for Blue Oyster Cult, which would have been enough, but that it was going to be like every band has those legendary paydays. I mean, I assume, you know, I've, I've, I've heard about them. No, every band has those shows where it's like, and it was the most I ever got paid. Like this, this wasn't the most we ever got paid, but it was a, it was going to be a good paying gig with a legendary band for a huge crowd in, uh, in an amphitheater out in, you know, in our home state. And we were going to be able to attach our name to it and it was going to be super cool. So we, we got invited to do this thing. We worked it out. Everybody had the time off. Uh, we were able to get a plane ticket and get Tony, you know, get arrangements for Tony to come into town. We weren't on any of the promo, which I wasn't a fan of, so I hired someone to do uh, do a poster for us. Somebody, Some of you saw the poster that was designed by Brendan Dorney at uh, very Moyles cool Dorney Studio. Very cool. Very cool. Um, we did a limited run of those. They're very popular. Uh, more about that in a little bit. Um, so we, like, we pushed it real hard, and we were super excited about it, and... And we made all these arrangements to fly Tony in and, and get up there and get it done. And we arranged for a crew. Um, and rather than in the past, I might have prioritized bringing our own front of house sound engineer. But this time I was like, we are bringing someone to photograph. We are bringing someone to run our socials. And we are bringing someone to sell merchandise. Like I saw those as kind of being the priorities of this opportunity, right? Makes sense. So, not only that, but I cashed out my my PTO, like, uh, and invested it into merchandise for the show. You know, like, really, the only traveling Sarah and I are going to do this year is going to be doing a few weekend things with the boy, and and we're not planning on taking any big trips. So I'm like, I'm going to cash this in and use it as an investment, right? So. We were out about $1,500 in merch between the hats and the shirts and the, uh, the posters that we got made and, you know, tack on the flights and the missed, the, the missed work. and Guitar rental. And the guitar rental because Gordo was Big kind one. enough to, to rent the guitar to us so that Tony didn't have to play that ridiculous oversized Gretsch hollow body that we talked about <laughs> earlier in the episode. Oh. <laughs> Already got to that. Huh? Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. I and mean, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you were on the same in the same boat with me. I, I wasn't in the same room with the same conversation, but I would have been in the same boat. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you want you wanted I wanted to see Tony play a guitar that was more true to brand. I, I think that black is definitely cooler than a sunburst guitar. Yeah. And when it comes down to if it. If you're not I, gonna I mean, do the red SG, do fucking Gordo's black Les Paul, man. I mean, hollow body, like I respect it, but who are you? Reverend Horton Heat. <laughs> Reverend Horton Heat's fucking Chuck Berry. Wayne the train 
shitcock. <laughs> Wayne the Train shitcock. Oh man, I'm sure. You know what? You know what? I don't even think he plays one. Of you know what? <laughs> so not too long. No, that was he good. We were riffing. He doesn't, he doesn't play a hollow. We were riffing. You know, you, when you guys but, are on your radio it, show and you're riffing, it, it has. He needs literally a solid guitar. Yeah. To, to yeah. play. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I wasn't in the. I wasn't in the conversation, but I would have agreed. So. Cool. I'm 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 glad we're in agreement and I just don't sound like a crazy person. Sorry, Tony. Yeah. So <laughs> so we had a lot riding on this show. Yeah. Especially because we have this this big run of shows coming up. You know, we're doing we're doing the motion comic premiere and we're trying to get songs out for the new record. You know, I, we, we got a new single that we're actually gonna listen to. We're gonna listen to the final mix of uh, our new single that's gonna drop here soon. Uh, probably in the next couple months, and we're probably not supposed to play it for you guys, but we are anyway. Um, so, so yeah, so w- we had a lot <laughs> tied up in this, you know, because what basically the plan was is this show will go to get us back in the black so that we can make money from this next run of shows and pay off the studio and and pay off a bunch of the other things that we've got going on. You know what I mean? Like, basically, I've gone into the red, and, I mean, when you're in a band, you're in the red for life, but in the newest red, you know... There's, yeah, there's different flavors of there's red. There's different shades of red. There's different decades of there's red. red. <laughs> exactly. This is like a brick maroon. I really do yeah, look yeah. at it on a five to ten year, like, you know what? It's this like, five year stint was not so bad. Hey, <laughs> I do still owe people from 20 years ago, but <laughs> you are they, very honest about our financial situation. <laughs> you, know? you know, nobody's are, banging on We are very upfront about, yeah, we're kind of fucked. Yeah, well, I mean. Well, that's how it works, though, man. I, I mean, I know most people can relate and just be like, "Hey, I, you know, I, I'm fucking." In how the many people? How many people are in the red for their golf habit, or their car habit, or their toy train habit, or you know, whatever we uh, we toy train habit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like I actually know someone who's, who's got like a toy train. <laughs> the, I mean, do like I the, know the Lionel trains. Do I know? Like, him? No, I don't think you it's do. It's Josh Finley, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you just see Josh Finley. Just, I'm sorry, I'm too busy painting a mural this weekend. That's and where he just, is. That's where he is all the time. And he, he he's just in yeah. his basement. Can't make it to rehearsal. It's a busy week. Yeah, choo choo. He's he's at home. He's like, I gotta go home and uh, I gotta go home and. Paint the new fueling station. What? I mean, I gotta go paint this Chiba Hut mural. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so we we put a lot into it. We were like, this is going to be a big thing for us. We're we're going to we're going to make a move. So we make arrangements. Some of you have heard Farmer Joe on the show. Joey Klontz, fan numero uno. Uh, his wife Tessa and I. We had them lined up. Joey was going to do our socials. Uh, Tessa was going to come take pictures. She did our recent press photos, if you've seen those. And she did all the photos, uh, all the good photos from the weekend we just had in Grand Junction. So check those out on our pages. Um, and then we brought our friend Sarah Splatter, Sarah Marafi, mm-hmm. uh, who you'll know from the Denver area, who is also a character of the scene. She is a character. DJ. Uh, man, what would you, bartender. I would even say celebrity bartender. She, celebrity man, DJ. She, she's celebrity a- DJ. She's a local. She's a cele- character. Local character. Lady there. about yeah. town. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. People know her. She she has got to be one of the funniest ladies I know. She's pretty like fucking she, funny. 
No. She keeps me laughing. She's yeah. she's a funny person. We had we had a really good time taking her. So we had everybody also, lined she up sold to leave. A bunch of shit. Oh, she, she did, did her job very well. Right on. So we showed up. the 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 show was supposed to be Friday, July thirteenth, or Saturday, July thirteenth, and we all got together at eight o'clock in the morning here at the Nug Nation to load up the van. Uh, we had we had a free van rental from the day. You know, our our buddy John Casado rents his van out to us. Uh, he he owed us a free rental, and we cashed in that favor for that one show. And we are literally loaded up and getting ready to leave. And I get the call from the promoter that Blue Oyster Cult's flights will not be getting in today. Like, the show is almost definitely going to be postponed. And then we wait a little while, and I'm having, like, a little panic attack about this whole thing. And then I get the follow-up that it is, like, definite. Blue Oyster Cult is definitely not happening. And, uh, or actually, we had left. Uh, we had left before we got that final word. We, we had a... A big conversation before we yeah. decided to like well, put basi- it in reverse, you know. Basically, so. Ty was basically Ty goes. Well, we can't not go. Ty goes, let's fucking head up the mountain and we will figure it out on the way up. We've done it before. Tony's so- here. The flights are. Tony is here. The flight was booked. Uh, the van was loaded up. We had the team together. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like. We, we, we have to make something happen. We have to make something happen. We've got to, even if we go play a dive bar or a garage or a park or just go up and try and sell merch in Grand Junction to people who show up for the, the ride, we'll figure something out on the way. I managed to, you know, everybody calls their wives. Number one, everybody calls their wives, and we have to go, this is the situation. And well, I, I didn't know if it was happening yet, so I didn't call my wife yet. So she was very mad. Yeah, yeah. So. And, and I, I <laughs> Just actually, for the record. Yeah, for you're going to say that, and you're going to be like, everybody calls their wives, and Beck's going to go, motherfucker, no, no. <laughs> no. Not everybody called their wives. I waited <laughs> a little bit to call my wife. I waited. I, I did hold off on it because I, I knew that I, it I was... I waited until the final word. Right. And then we did the video by the side of the road, and then I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. So. Okay. So... So we staggered out a telling of our wives, but the telling Thank of you. our wives did happen. Thank you. Okay. We began to make arrangements of getting shifts covered. You know, even Sarah, our merch gal, you know, did everything. It was, was like, I don't know. I mean, I only decided to take one day off and then finally just was like, no, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going with you guys. We'll make it work. The promoter was kind enough. We did talk the promoter into buying Tony a new plane ticket. Tony stressed out about this because he knew that he was, you know, this is a new job with a new company and whatnot. And oh, yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. so he had to call them and basically be like, I'll still come in. Like, we had to work out a flight at, at 6 a.m. that Monday so that he could fly back to Chicago and make it to work on time. Yeah. And we're, we are driving up. We're on our way. We got the van loaded up. We're going there. And I am just sending messages to our friends. And I'm like, hey, the show has been postponed today. It's not canceled entirely. Blue Oyster, Blue Oyster Cult is showing up the next day. But, you know, we're, we're already on our way up there. We've, we've got to get 
we've got to get something together. And about this time is when we've gotten the final word that they are definitely not coming today, right? Definitely a day late and a dollar short. In less than an hour, we get a message through being connected by various friends. We get a message from the Mesa Theater, and they not only say, yeah, you're on the show tonight. They're like, we've got a show going on. We're putting you guys on. They put us on the 11 o'clock slot. They give us 45 minutes of stage time. They actually put us between two bands. Like, they bumped another band all the way to the latest slot of the show, which, from what I understand, that band was cool with. I mean, I have to assume. If it was us, I would have protested that. That's like the Herman's headliner. It's the worst, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, nobody, nobody wants to go on stage for nobody at 12 o'clock. I, yeah. I can't fucking believe that, that that happened. Not only did that happen, they sent us a poster with a graphic that had been added that just said now with 100 per, like they sent it a, the original poster with an attribution that said now with 100% more MF ruckus and added our logo to it like they they designed a like badge to put on the original poster to let people know that we were going to be there most excellent the promoter of the uh, Las uh, Colonias Amphitheater um, and Snob Promotions she sent an email to <laughs> every single ticket holder because they had to send announcements to the ticket holders. Um, she sent announcements to the ticket holders that the show would be postponed and that we would be having a show that night at the Mesa Theater for anyone who wanted to go. Um, yeah, some people were pissed. From what I understand, they only had 100 refunds they had to issue. We ended up doing the show at the Mesa Theater, which was by no means packed, but the entire front row was people who were fucking stoked that we were there. Right on. Like, they got the word that we were playing, and they were like, they're like, oh, fuck yeah, dude, the Ruckus guys are playing at the Mesa. We're fucking going out. We're going to party. Um, a handful of them were people that were supposed to go to the Blue Oyster Cult show and had gotten the email, and they're like, they're like, yeah, you know, we can't go to a show tomorrow, so we're going to come out and hang with you guys tonight. Or, you know, some of them were people that listen to the podcast. Some of them were people that, like, follow the YouTube channel and stuff like that. But we had we had already probably one of the best nights of merch sales and the, the probably the best quality crowd that we've had in a while. Like, not not the best quantity we've had by any means, but certainly one of the top quality audiences that we've ever had um we got treated great by the club had this fucking fantastic experience that experience enough would have been pretty good uh to as a consolation prize right they had hotel rooms for us so we went and stayed in the hotel rooms that night we got to spend the next day in grand junction you know have have the meal together it was great everything's worked out we're getting pretty excited we're a little concerned that people are actually going to show up and we show up to the club. It is, by the way, I say club. We show up to the amphitheater. And this is a concrete and steel amphitheater in the middle of a field in the desert of the Western Slope. It is 96 degrees. This place is right next to a river. And there's a giant lawn where they put a majority of the people. And so there are just mosquitoes everywhere oh shit there is 
like there's no green room per se. There's like the main talent dressing room where Blue Oyster Cult is allowed. And then they also have trailers and like a little dining trailer outside. But for us as the opener, we really only had like we had full access to the backstage area and full access to the whole property except for those places. So we pretty much just had to like hang out and back. But we're like, for the most part, we are sitting out at like the merch tent, getting eaten alive by mosquitoes, getting just burnt in the sun. When we get up and sound check the the like the sun, it like the stage faces the setting sun. Yeah, yeah, that's that's always a fun. Thing. So we're just getting just roasted by the sun during sound check, eaten alive by mosquitoes. Sarah is allergic to mosquitoes. So she gets bit and just starts welting up. <laughs> oh, fuck. She, she told me she got bit on the forehead, and she's like, yeah, I got bit right here. I was like, can't even tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this big old bump on her forehead. I was just like, so, don't even see it. So we're like, <laughs> now one awesome thing that happened at this time is we did get to watch Blue Oyster Cult's sound check, which was pretty awesome to just stand backstage and be like an audience of 10 or 15 people they got to watch this happen. Also, the crew there was fucking remarkable. Solid. Yeah. They were remarkable people. Uh, Wes, the um, the monitor dude, and and uh, man, I mean, he, Ryan he was, was the other guy. Ryan was the stage manager yeah. dude, or was he the front of house dude? Uh, I I don't know. He was they, running around on stage taking care of shit. Anyway, very, very. They were amazing. Like the crew was fucking amazing. We, we were standing right on. there on stage, and they did like a little lunch, like taco bar type thing. And once everybody was fed, they were like, "Hey guys, you know, have some food." So we went and did that. And uh, Joey, we're just standing there waiting for tacos, and Joey just kind of nudges me, and he goes, "There it is, man." And I look over, and in a drum case, there's like sticks and bags and all this stuff. And the cowbell is sitting right on <laughs> You and, saw the cowbell. Oh, yeah. And Joey just took his phone out and was like, click, click. <laughs> uh, we should post that with this. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Totally. There's a very iconic picture of Joey taking a picture of. The oh, cowbell. God. Joey, so, if you're listening, send, awesome. send us the picture of the cowbell. I'll, I'll shoot him a text after this. But they also had um, their guitars had the Blue Oyster Cult symbol symbol done in like a pearl inlay it was oh, nice. dude like speaking of having the right guitar for the gig like all their instruments looked cool as shit like that was that was badass but yeah so crew was amazing got to hang out and eat you know they they're they're doing the best to make us comfortable they're being very just sweet awesome people everyone from the crew was just thrilled to have us we got to do some radio promos things like that there was uh there was one room that was like a supply closet where it slash uh, refrigerator like they had all the walkie talkies charging in there and they had their refrigerator and they had like various supplies that they need for backstage and there was a vent from the AC and that became like the best place <laughs> in the backstage area to be was just to go like stand in this ice box for you know five minutes to cool you your... go back there and every every time you went back there you'd see like Ty or Sarah or <laughs> Joey or somebody else just standing, just standing back there like oh yeah, because it was so hot. 
Another thing that I got I, I got concerned about, and and the whole time everybody involved with the venue was like, "Yep, they should have listened to us." Nobody listened to us, man. The pitch isn't the right angle, and the thing faces the fucking sun, and everybody just gets roasted and sunburned on stage. But nobody listened to us. No, like everybody in the crew had a story about how nobody listened to them when they were building the place. It's hilarious. Anyway, shout out to the architects who built <laughs> Las Colonias <laughs> Amphitheater. It was really funny. Um, but uh, but yeah, and the other thing that I was concerned about during sound check is there was. Uh, something like 30 or 40 rows of chairs before you get to the lawn. So that's all like VIP and like purchased assigned seating. So those people are kind of trickling in and having drinks and relaxing. And, and, and like by the time we get on stage, that's not where the party is happening. That's where people are gradually kind of drifting into the crowd. So I don't know how things are going to go. We finished the first song, and, you know, directly in your immediate field of vision, you see all these empty chairs. But then we hear the crowd, and the crowd just is so excited to finally be seeing a band play <laughs> after everything that they've been through, having to deal with the tickets and the, and the, 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 the bike ride being, you know, all clusterfucked and whatnot. They're just just erupt with applause. Like, they're yelling, they're clapping, they're having a great time. I'm like, okay, this is a great crowd. Despite the fact that they are separated by a lot of empty space right now in front of us, that, like, we played as the opener, we probably played for a solid thousand people, right? Like, that was probably... That, that, I, I did not count. I was yeah. hot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was drinking water. Dude, if you, if you look at the pictures of Logan, he's just like... So sunburned, and we, and we and had just, like scheduled breaks in the set, and I just looked at Ty. I was like, "Nope, stop." <laughs> <laughs> if we want to keep playing, I need to hydrate. It yeah, was it yeah. was so hot. Like I made it. I made a joke during the set, and uh, man, we tried to bootleg the shows off of a board recording, but they didn't. They didn't turn out. Um, but there's a part during the set where I just go, "Hey, can we get these lights down?" So there was no lights on. It was just the sun, yeah. just fucking roasting us out there. And uh, yeah, I had I had fun with that one. Um, but the, the 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 crowd loved us. We had a great set. We had a really good time until I knocked over Logan's mic stand with um, with the Colorado flag that I was waving around. Uh, wasn't even a big deal. No, it wasn't even a big deal. Wes, the monitor guy backstage, kind of shrugged his shoulders and laughed, and we had a good chuckle, and it was it was a lot of fun. And I didn't know what was going to happen after that. And then I get this word after our set's over. It's like, I don't know if it came from you or it came from Joey, but it was like, hey, man, you might want to get down to the merch table because stuff is just flying off the table and the posters you guys brought are almost completely gone. I, I had, because uh, it was, once again, it was so hot. And I was like bringing Sarah water and bringing like people yeah. at the merch table and yeah. shit. I was just like, are you guys okay? Yeah. And uh, I had gone down there and Blue Oyster Cult only brought one design of t-shirt and they only had 50 t-shirts. Yeah. And like, wow. Very, it was like, like the, the dead milkman like experience thing. I had not very, too long ago. Yeah, <laughs> very minimal sizes. And so they were selling out of t-shirts real quick. So people saw a poster with their name on it. And I mean, we, we ended up giving away a lot of them, but yeah, there were there were people that saw 
a piece of Blue Oyster Cult merch, and they were like, I need this. So yeah, they were buying yeah. it. Yeah. Right. So those were going really fast. And to be clear, we only printed 30 of them. You know? Right. It wasn't it wasn't something that we were trying to make some some huge profit on. It was something that was like we weren't on any of the promo and so we wanted to make a cool poster for the show. We sent it to the promoter. You know, we we sent it to the promoter and we were like, "Hey, we had these done. You know, is that cool?" And they were like, "Yeah, that poster's rad. It's awesome." Blah blah blah. So we printed up a limited run of them, really just supposed to be something for diehard fans. But not only that, after we finished our set, people are buying shirts and they're buying CDs and they're buying records and we're signing stuff and we're taking pictures with people just like one after the other, just getting yeah. bombarded yeah. with it. Right on. Just like yeah. it, it was the, really in, cool. the entire time, like we got all these waves of merch sales. And, and, and a big part of it is like, and I've mentioned this as our experience when we were with Ace Freely, is the fact that he wasn't out there hanging out gave us all this fan love to absorb you know what i mean people wanted to talk to somebody they assumed that because we're opening for blue oyster cult we're some big bigger band on the you know on the rise or something and we put on a good show there were people there with their kids and they were like bringing these kids up and the kid wants to meet you and it's like oh hey little buckaroo it was cool uh tony got a phone number from this little girl it was tony horrible (laughs) this girl came up it's like You'll always have a fan in Grand Junction, and me and I think Ty and Joey were like, "What just happened there?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh and man. He told me about it, and I was just like, "Whoa." The, <laughs> the 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 shy twelve year old girls were if, if were she, gaga over Tony, man. If she's oh, listening, if awesome. she's listening, Tony really likes you. And, <laughs> my uh, friend likes you. My friend's name is Tony. He's also a grown man. Sorry. <laughs> he's also pushing 40, I think. He's a, he's a grown man. Yeah. Um, no, but because, because BOC only had the 50 shirts, which they sold out of immediately. I wanted, to, I wanted to get one, and I didn't have the chance. I snagged one, and they're super cheesy and awesome. Yeah. <laughs> they're cheesy as fuck. Yeah, they're, they're they, 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 they were... It, it was totally like the, the, the uh, Dead Milk Men show where they just took their most... You know, popular design that they ever had, which was just their logo and and something on the back that said like "on tour forever," like oh yeah, that's what it was. It was like 1970 whatever to 2019 on tour forever. It might have even said question mark because they want to be able to push that design until the day they fucking die. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, but because of that, because of that, and we had fucking you know Ruckus Mart set up. Yeah, we sold. So much fucking shit, and we signed so much shit, and we took so many pictures with people, and we, we, we got the fucking rock star treatment the entire time, and we made sure to put aside posters for some of the patrons and some of the other people who had asked us to hold on to them for some, but we sold out of all the ones that we needed to sell in order to pay the artist. Like we didn't make any profit off of those. Yeah. You know what I mean? We we paid the artist and then had a bunch of posters for ourselves to keep. Um, some friends of ours happened to, just happened to be on the same flight as Blue Oyster Cult on their way back to Grand Junction. Uh, just happened to be seated next to them. Just happened to meet them and begin talking to them, find out that they were Blue Oyster Cult, 
hit it off with them, and just happened to get added to the VIP list for the next night. Wow. By total coincidence. And I will admit to a certain degree of, like, that adage, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. Like, I will admit to a certain degree of that. I was like, the worst case, they can say no. The worst case, they'll, they'll get a little mad, but we'll explain to them, you know, the situation. Those friends bought a poster, had us sign it, and brought it backstage to have Blue Oyster Cult sign it so that they could put it up in their bar. And the guys from Blue Oyster Cult go, this is an awesome poster. Where did you guys get this from? And they go, oh, we bought it at the merch table. And their manager, I guess, just read the promoters, the riot act, and was like, that's copyright infringement, and that's all these things, and do you know much fucking trouble, and blah, 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 blah. And, And I feel bad because they got their asses chewed. You know, but but it was also like that was the last we heard about it. You know, it it wasn't a bigger deal beyond that. I think it's because we didn't we didn't make any profit. We made this small run of things and we really just did it to promote the event. And it was a really, really cool poster. It's a great poster. Yeah. Yeah. So. So uh, we should go on the record as saying that that poster is an unauthorized poster. Sort of. It was authorized by one of the bands on there. It was a not-for-profit poster. All that got paid was the artist. Um, Fact. But so, does that make it more rare? Like, does that make it like does that drive its value up or down? I think the value just stays right where it is, which is nothing. <laughs> it is. It's a it's a poster from a Blue Oyster Cult show the, in the middle the of the fucking. The date is wrong on it. The date I is mean, wrong on it. It's basically an imaginary concert. Yeah, because it says Ju- it is an imaginary concert because it says July thirteenth. That, see, that's what, it, what that's what my argument would have been if some people started freaking out. Like, this is a fictional show. Yeah, it it's the wrong actually, date. It didn't even it's actually like happen. If we, if we paid for posters that said. Iron Maiden, Granny Tweed, um, um, January 14th, The Doors, and MF Ruckus. January 14th, (laughs) 1978. It'd be like, Granny Tweed didn't exist then. In fact, I'm pretty sure only Gordo existed then. That's right. Is that true? (laughs) Yeah. In 78? when When was Josh Finley born? He's 100 years old, too, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's really old, but he's not <laughs> near as old as I am. Uh, he, when was he born? That's a good question. Closer to 80, maybe? Yeah. Um, so so anyway, so then then the, we ended up... Show, by the way, Blue Oyster Cult blew us all away. They were fucking amazing dude. it was really good toy. it was such a good show super toy they didn't play veterans of psych uh, veteran of the psychic wars which i wanted to hear but we heard godzilla and don't fear the reaper and uh there's uh their tour manager jimbo who turned out to be a really cool guy who we 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 got to interact with him more than anybody veteran, from the crew. Wait, no, wait a minute back up now the, the, the veterans of the psychic wars that's the which song from heavy metal okay okay it's in it's in heavy metal I want to say it's in the Tarakian story. Yeah. I could yeah. be wrong. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. That is so uh, they didn't play that one, but they played, they played Godzilla. I don't believe you. <laughs> For they, some reason, I think you're they wrong. Played, they played Godzilla, <laughs> rock, you know, rock and roll, um, 
to fucking Don't Fear the Reaper. Burning for You. Burning for You. They did, I mean, they did all the hits, and they were fantastic players. Those guys can really sing, by the way. Like, everybody in that band fucking sings harmonies, and it's pretty remarkable to, like, watch. During soundcheck, we just watched them get their, their in-ears dialed in and got to hear them just practicing singing fucking vocal harmonies together, and it was totally effortless. They were like this relic of, like, the polished showmanship of the 1970s. Yeah. You know, when you get to see these 1970s bands that are playing, like, fairgrounds and, and uh, you know, small theaters that, that, like, guys like Ace Freely and bands like that that we've played with, when you see these bands that are artifacts of the 70s arena rock era and just see what goes into those shows, it's really remarkable. There's something to be said for the level of professionalism and production value that goes into those bands putting on a show. And when you consider it in that context, it really is a shame that they are playing, you know, they aren't playing arenas, that they're that they're playing state fairgrounds and small theaters and and bands like us who are catching them on the way up and catching them on the way back down because <laughs> that's the way this band works. But um, what, what did we call ourselves? Uh, <laughs> oh, the wor- we want to make T-shirts that say MF Ruckus, the world's greatest opening band. <laughs> if you're someone they know, we'll play your show. <laughs> just like, dude, and like make that part of our gimmick. It's like just like, oh, yeah, we're the best opening band you'll ever have. Headliner, not so much. Not much of a headliner, but if you give us 45 minutes in front of your crowd as they're showing up and starting to get drunk, oh, yeah. But you're really only a laser light show and a big guitar solo away from a <laughs> headliner. I mean, like, honestly, I mean, like, and you can do that. It <laughs> it was a couple more of these. A couple you know, more of these. these theater shows. Oh, right? yeah. We can afford that laser light show, man. I do, I do recommend going and checking out the Los Colonias. It's pretty cool. It was just, it was unbearably hot that day. There's a, yeah, there's a there's a venue in in Lawrence that that does that. It's just like it's it faces the sun. At the it's end just of a the concrete block like, in the middle of a field. It's like holy shit! I'm going on at six. I might as well slit my wrist. <laughs> like it is. Yeah, it's just. It was hot. Yeah. It it was hot, but it was so fun that like yeah. if when I look back in the memory, mm. I I remember uh, I remember that it was hot. You know, from a. Uh, uh, I, I don't know, like a, a cerebral perspective. Like I can, I can say just in the digital criteria of the day that it was hot. But what I remember feeling was it was fun. I remember feeling it was amazing to meet so many people who were so excited to see us, and so many kids whose parents were encouraging to, them to buy our stuff, but were like, they were like, well, you can't have that one because it's got a swear word on it, but. You can you can get that one, you and I'm like, are you sure you want to let your child buy the one with the the robot made of kegs and weed leaves and you know or the Jesus fighting the or Jesus uh, fighting know, the demon. the Satan cyborg you know it doesn't say fuck on it but you know <laughs> he's still gonna get in trouble. It was cool, man. No, that I've had a lot of people ask me and I was like, oh, it was so fun. It was great. It was really hot. Like that's <laughs> the thing that comes right afterwards. It's yeah, just like, oh, it was really hot, and it was and it was a very dramatic weekend. Mm-hmm. That being said, all's well that ends well. We had the top grossing weekend of our entire career. 
Oh, excellent. That's we, awesome. And, and the Mesa Theater show is no small part of that. Yeah. Like, no, no. the show at the Mesa Theater, we, I mean, we didn't get paid for that show because we were just asking to be an add-on and just give us the opportunity to sell merch, sure, right? Sure, Like, we didn't want to take away from any of the other band's bottom line. So, so we just booked ourselves onto that. And it wasn't a huge show. You know, I I don't even know what the total number of people that were in the it, it was probably number wise the smallest show we've done at the Mesa Theater, but it was the best we've ever done in merch there. It was a it was a well above average night for what we normally do. We sold more stuff. I mean, we signed more stuff than we normally do. We had these like really great interactions with people who were at the show who wanted to sit down and talk with us or people who like followed the stuff that we do it was really amazing then to go and do the blue oyster cult show and just have that same quality interaction magnified and multiplied with the crowd that was at the blue oyster cult show despite the fact that they had to wait a whole day for the show and were pissed off about that despite that refunds had to be issued despite that it was 96 degrees Everybody was getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. There was at least 30 feet of empty seating separating us from the lawn and the majority of the crowd. Like, despite everything. and gratification. All, dude, we, we, that was easily one of the most successful weekends we have had in our t- entire career in musicians. And it probably would not have been so if everything had gone right. You know well, what I mean? Right, yeah. But it went it went so well, I think, because our values in this band are such that we prioritize we show up. No matter what goes wrong, we show up. Like Ty, like me sitting there worrying and kind of being like, oh fuck, this is all fucked up. And then Ty just with not dropping a beat and just being like being like, Well, let's go. Yeah. You know, that is it's part of the deal. That's this is what we're doing. That's part of our philosophy. And we have we have almost never canceled a gig before. I think I could probably count the number of times we've canceled or had a show fall through or not like not shown up in some way. It, I could probably count them on one hand. And it's times like these where having that commitment truly paid off. You know, by show by just showing up and committing to do the show for the people, no matter what. Excellent. Yeah, man. Should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Let's take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk about some more shit. Welcome back. I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. First of all, Matula Plumbing. Matula! This Plains, Illinois. Shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. Matula Plumbing. Angie's List Super Service Award winner back in 2011. 2011. The only year that fucking matters because he'll wear the 
fucking booties for you, because he's Jerry fucking Master Master of Poopers Matula. Tell Jerry the boys sent you. The boys sent you. Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, fully furnished, friendly, fantastic, rehearsal studios. (laughs) Did it work? In the Rhino District, I work with this girl named Sophie, and uh, we we you know we spell it S O F I, and I like to pretend that she's a neighborhood. I'm like, oh yeah, I just got a new place in SoFi. Where's SoFi? Well, it's kind of close to Rhino and Lodo and well, Sobo. It's right, it's right under SoFi. It's right under. <laughs> it's right under SoFi. SoFi, yeah, it's a little south of SoFi. Anyway, <laughs> Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, the official rehearsal space of motherfucking Ruckus and every other band that knows their business and knows what they're doing. Uh, it's great, man. You just drop a little money down, and you can go make some noise in a room for a bit. Rocket Space, you ain't got to carry shit. Evergroove Studio, where I hung out today Whoa. with Mr. Brad Smalling. By the way, it was only 66 degrees mm. in Evergreen today. Yeah. It felt fucking incredible. I got out of my car, and I was like, oh, my God, I want to live here so bad. In the summer, anyway. <laughs> um, and uh, we... Finished the mix for Making a Killing and You Only Live Forever, which is going to uh, be the soundtrack for the new motion comic, Frontlines of Good Times, Chapter 2, that we're going to be dropping this weekend. This episode probably won't be out and may might be out in time. If it is out in time, make sure you come join us Friday, July 26th at Rocket Space, or pff, at Lost Lake, at Rocket Lake. <laughs> I went to camp at Rocket Lake. Rocket Lake. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's at uh, Lost Lake. We're, we're going to be premiering uh, Chapter 2 of our motion comic. It's fucking badass. And uh, this song that you're going to hear in a little bit is going to be the soundtrack for that. Just did that up at Evergroove Studio. Solar-powered, state-of-the-art recording facility up in Evergreen, Colorado. The beautiful mountains of evergreen colorado it was just so nice to get up there the weather was gorgeous the views were gorgeous and the song is gorgeous um go see brad and jenny and and the gang about your next project and uh they'll take good care of you and tell them we sent you they just sent us the granny tweed masters how is it Ooh. sounds real delicious does so it far. real delicious yeah. i also heard today do you remember Tyler that arranged the chorus, the the choir vocals on uh, Making a Killing, the yeah. former student of my sister? Yeah. He's having Tyler Lee and the Ragers' new album mastered up there. Okay. And I got to hear one of their songs, and they have this song called Veggie World, and it is seriously, like, dude, like, beautiful four-part harmonies singing about, like, what if the vegans ruled the world? And it's this whole story about a war between vegetables and carnivores. And, dude, it's like super weird, hilarious, surreal, awesome album. Sounds so, like some Zappa shit. Dude, it's it's super weird. And I totally recommend when Tyler Lee and the Ragers put their new album out that you check that out. It's fucking hilarious. Anyway, uh, Evergroove Studio, great fucking place. Go check them out, see them about your next project. The Nug Nation, of course, we are here at the beautiful Nug Nation Studios in Denver, Colorado, at an undisclosed location. You kind of got to, like, 
know somebody to get in here. You know what I'm saying? We don't even have signage. You know what I mean? It's kind of it's kind of a top secret little facility. Uh, go to the nugnation.com to see what we turn out of this happy little studio, though. Um, see all the nugs in there. Wacky shenanigans through the town of Nugville. See some of the interviews between uh, Bong Burgundy and and various various rap royalty that he talks to in the men's room. Uh, and see the new video that we did with Billy Ray Cyrus, Angel in My Pocket. Um, yeah, or you could just have somebody play Angel in My Pocket over the telephone while you listen to it. Oh, you could shit. do that. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's cool. where we're at. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, where do they get the limited edition um, Billy Ray Cyrus Nug Nation stickers? Uh, oh, I have some. Do you want one? No, I'm just. D- 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 can you? He said can you? No, <laughs> no, I don't want. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want one. My, my, I just well, wonder no, why you my, have the one. The point of my question, I should say, is: Can you order them from their website? Oh no, or is it just? No. A pr- is it just a in the know? You thing? gotta, you gotta be around. Like you gotta see us at like a 420 rally, or or happen to run into Mike or something like I, that. I actually do want one. Yeah, I I'll, do too. I'll give you one. Okay. I I explain it to someone there's there no like reason I don't want a yeah. sticker of Billy why Ray would Cyrus. I, why would I not oh, want Oh shit, there it is. Okay. It's a why sticker. Why would I not want that on yeah. my guitar case? What is that sticker? Well, you know Billy Ray Cyrus is, right? <laughs> Have you ever wondered what it would look like if Billy Ray Cyrus was Made of weed. You guys should just do that for more random actually celebrities that. If you download like, the Nug Nation app, uh-huh. there is a Nugifier on the Nug Nation app. You can turn yourself into a Nug using the Nugifier on the Nug Nation app. Get it on Google Play or the uh, iTunes, the Apple Apple app. That Apple. sounds cool. I'm going to do that. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> you going to make a Logan Nug? Yeah. Yeah, you're, the Logan Nug will look different than the uh, Billy Ray Cyrus slash Aaron Howe slash Gordo version. Mine will have glasses. That's how we differ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, but ours are going to look pretty much the same. But that'll uh, have the sculpted, manscaped, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. The line beard. The line beard. Uh, the line beard. Okay. You know what I was most disappointed about not getting to see Billy Ray Cyrus play when I when I went to his show and it got rained out, like I mentioned a couple episodes right. ago? The most disappointing thing was I saw him walk across the field to the backstage area, and I saw the shirt that he was planning to wear, and it was fucking awesome. You know how um, you know Walmart sells those like button-up American flag shirts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had a button-up American flag shirt, dude. He would like, and it looked good, man. He was about to go on stage and fucking crush it in a button-up American flag shirt, and I didn't get to see that in, in the flesh. Mm. I was denied, like, a, a picture in my phone that would pop up every so often and bring me tremendous joy. Anyway, this is not <laughs> brought to you by Billy Ray Cyrus. I worked with a guy <laughs> last night. Not much is brought to you by Billy Ray Cyrus, <laughs> to be <No>. option. <laughs> I worked with a guy last night, and he showed up. He's this tall, like, hip rocker dude, and he's wearing a button-up shirt and, like, clear aviator sunglasses and shit. And all night I was like, well, "What does he look like? What like what? What am I trying to say about this dude?" And I was like, "You know what you look like? You look like a movie about smuggling drugs in the '70s or '80s, <laughs> and you were like the pilot that skimmed too much off the top and got killed right away." <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I do. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going for. Thanks. Uh, okay. Thanks, uh, man." 
Mutiny Information Cafe at 2 South Broadway. Uh, they're actually, they just announced that they've opened their uh, podcasting studio down in the basement, man. Most that, excellent. The pictures I saw of it, it looks really cool. So stay tuned for all sorts of rad content, content coming from uh, Mutiny Information Cafe and Mutiny Transmissions. Man, they make use out of every fucking square inch of that place. They sell coffee. They've got cereal. They've got comic books. They've got pastries. They've got books. They've got pinball machines. They do live events. They, man, they, and now they got fucking podcasting down and live streaming, I think, down in the fucking basement. Seriously, man, go see what these guys are up to. Mutiny and Information Cafe. We are, of course, a mutiny transmission. And if uh, you want the inside skinny, you can listen to the, to the episode. Yeah. Of our podcast. Yeah, you can listen to the episode, what did I name it? I named it um, Mutang is for the Children. Mutang is for the Children. Yeah. Make sure you listen to that episode. That's a fun one. Uh, Flipside Music on South Tacoma Street in Denver, Colorado. Um, man, all the stuff you want, none of the stuff you don't. I'm due for a trip. Yeah, man. Go Me too, man. I, I want to go look at some pedals. Yeah. Uh, I want to oh, yeah. look at some. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to take guitar pedals and use them for my harmonica mic. Like, I want to have Ike help me Whoa. pick out some. Yeah, I want to get weird with, with pedals. Flipside is a great place to get weird with pedals. It's a great place to get weird with amps and see all sorts of cool guitars. Plus, Ike is a bad, bad man, and you should uh, meet him. And uh, he is the, the archmaster of the Order of the Baldman. So make sure you... Uh, Go tell the headmaster, the the archmaster that the headmaster, the like. headmaster. <laughs> uh, tell him, tell him that the bald sent you. Send you. Tell him that the bald sent you. The baldsman. I'm um I'm kind of in my uh, what would you call this apprenticeship. I'm kind of like the Samuel Tarley of the Order of the Baldman. <laughs> you know? In- Samuel Tarley season two. Sa- Samuel Tarley season, yeah. <laughs> hey, thank you very much. Well, you basic- haven't lost that much hair. Basically what Gordo said in the sweetest way possible, in the dorkiest way possible, <laughs> is that I'm not that bald. That's true. It's like, hey, man, you know what? You're not that bald. Oh, my God. Thank you. And we're talking early season two. That is like the ultimate compliment that you can give a bald or balding man. Just be like, no, man, you're not that bald. It's a good one. Uh, They say the same thing about fat people. Yeah. Hey, you know what, dude? You're not that fat. I'm on the chapter they haven't even written yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's how far along I am. The, season the future, finale. the future of baldness. The series finale, the spinoff. <laughs> You're right. The one they're still writing. Um, yeah. Oh, and last but most, of course, the the wonderful people who back us via a small recurrent contribution on Patreon.com/slash/mfruckus in exchange for early access and exclusive access to. Uh, to content and behind-the-scenes gossip and love affairs and lusty little trysts between Tony and Logan and Ty, but never Aaron. And uh, (laughs) no matter how much I try. uh, Yeah, make sure you join us on Patreon, man. See all the stuff that we put out. Um, Those people, you people, are going to be getting getting, uh, early copies of um, the new song that we're getting ready to release, which we're going to listen to here in a few. In fact... What do you mean, you people? Yeah, the, uh, the patrons. The, oh, thank you. you. You people, the patrons. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, yeah, thank you so much for helping us out, guys. It really does mean a whole hell of a lot. 
Super so, cool. So, um, man, we got going for a long time. We're at the end of the episode, but we couldn't, we couldn't let you guys go away. Um, instead of doing a homies this week, we are going to give you guys an exclusive listen to us listening to we're our own homies the final mix it's a pre-master show me. Show me. like shonies i'm sure we're not supposed to <laughs> premiere the the final mix pre-master but i don't Says who i don't know like i did like the the label may not want us to do it brad may not want us to do it but i'm just so excited about it that we're going to play it for you guys. So, and and I also want to get Gordo and Logan's real-time reactions to this. So I'm going to be staring at them the entire time going, what do you think? Huh? What do you think? See, I, I, I recorded on this song. Pretty good, so, huh? So I've heard it a lot, but it's going to sound a lot better. So this, this so. is going to be, dude, we added some cool stuff, man. So this is, this is the soundtrack to The Front Lines of Good Times, Part uh, uh, Chapter Two Motion Comic, which will be premiering this weekend at Lost Lake um, before it goes online. So if you want to see it before anyone else, you got to come to the show uh, at Lost Lake on Friday, July 26th. This is a song in two parts, so it's like two songs rolled into one. It's kind of like our uh, "Waiting on the Bus," "Jesus Left Chicago," um, or "No Sugar Tonight," "New Mother Nature." Okay. You know, two songs in one. If you know your guess who. Um, Need you tonight, mediate? Ah, mm. exactly. This is Making a Killing and You Only Live Forever by Motherfucking Ruckus. I like the sound design already. Alex Tyler did that. I was like, make it sound like the soundtrack to The Thing. Anything John Carpenter. Yeah, I was like, just listen to John Carpenter soundtracks. And he knocked it out of the park. Somebody can find these. Pick up what we left off. So these tapes will service. He also did really cool stuff with the, the narration track. Like the way he had me record it and, and create the the tape recorder sound and like run the reverse loops in the background just for ambience. It was really cool. We've pretty much been on the move ever since. It's a bit of a long story, but the short version is everything's fucked. Swear words! Uh-oh. Never be able to hit that again as long as I live. That's impressive, dude. That's what my voice sounds like when it breaks.
choir, man. That's a good Shout out to the Oklahomies. songs for this project specifically for the Frontlines of Good Times project I real like one of the main things I'm setting out is for everything to have a very cinematic aspect to it you achieve that you know what I mean like what I told Brad is I was like in making a killing I want it to be this antagonist you know I want it to be a, a, a a looming like malevolent character 
just and and then I want the second part to be like the it's it's kind of the interruption of the the wise counsel. It's kind of the interruption of just like the the hey man, you got to get it together. You got to wake up. You got to snap out of this. You got to pay attention. And um, oh, that gang vocal part is it's it's every nightmare ends when you shake yourself awake. Okay. And it's just one syllable at a time. So it's every nightmare ends when you shake yourself awake. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's basically like I mean. The rest of us have a lot going on when that part changes over, like <coughs> getting the tempo right, and it's a very kind of like tricky little riff too. Yeah. So everybody matching up at the same time, I've never had the chance to like focus on what, what is actually being, being said, said right there. And right. I'm like, I'm like, he'll do his job, I'm gonna do mine, and yeah. that'll be done. And like listening to it now that's mixed, I'm like, I should probably know that. <laughs> so I have a so I have a question for you. This is this this has come up recently just in uh, just in my own like studio with some people I was recording recently, and it was like there's this argument about like you know you want to represent your band in the best way you can. Some people feel like the way that you do that is to just lay down what you do live and not have any other fancy frilly mm-hmm. stuff on there, and. I think I used to feel that way when I was younger, like, you know, yeah, fuck all that like purist perspective. Yeah. Just kind of like, you know, like kind of, I guess you would call it more punk rock or whatever, but like Mm -hmm. definitely in the last like five to 10 years, I've really, that's taken a backseat for me. I'd rather make a good record that has everything I want on it. And when I listen to it five years from whenever it is like that, I can still be proud of it and be like, Man, that's the best record we could make, and it didn't matter if it had extra little bits in it that we right. don't mm-hmm. do live or whatever. All that stuff, like I understand both sides of that argument, right? But like, I really like, I really like all those little cinematic things and all the thi- all the bells and whistles that you put in there. Just they serve the song so well, right? So, and, and for me, it's not a like one way or the other. It's a matter of context. You yeah. know what I mean? Like whatever tells the like story. Like if you went, if you listened to like a really slick over produced Black Flag or Minor Threat album or or Bad Brains album or something yeah. like that that wouldn't that wouldn't suit the context yeah you know with those albums you're specifically trying to recreate the environment of the show you know whereas i think with our band we're more looking at it from the perspective of you know there there are bands that they're album performance is way different than their live performance yeah. the album performance or or at least and i this really is, like bands like that that have something yeah. that are vast i mean i enjoy both i enjoy all that stuff here's but, my reasoning yeah. for it when you listen to an album you it, it's you're not watching the performance on stage you don't have the same outcomes you know when i feel like when you're listening to an album you want to be transported somewhere yeah you know what I mean? When you're at a show, the, the, the desired outcome is different. You are there to be in the presence of the musicians that make the music you love and hear how they do their songs live. One of the complaints I've heard about people who aren't diehard Tool fans that like go to Tool shows right. is they're like, you want to know what a Tool show? The, Jordan, who used to play guitar for us, Jordan Maliba, that God rest her soul, when, when she went and saw Tool, Went over to the house. You want to know what Tool Live sounds like? Put on a Tool song and then just turned up the volume on the stereo. 
<laughs> you know, there are those bands where it's like, that's what they want to do. That's their desired outcome. For, uh, for, for me and for the bands that I like, I kind of want to have a different live experience. Right. You know, there are things in our songs that we just simply are not going to do live. But I think that when people come to hear a band they love play, they are going to fill in the gaps with their imagination anyway. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And especially with the, the live action and the comic going along with this. I think we are going to pump up the cinematics a little bit. Yeah, it's but, going, but, it, it's but gonna everything be... everything you had in there like really goes towards telling the story that's going on in that song, though. That's that's what I'm saying. Is like right. I feel like I feel like everything in there totally serves the song. I agree. You know, so it's it's yeah, and it's it's it, another thing is is that yes, it, like Logan started alluding to, we are in the process of moving sort of away from just being the the band in the warehouse on on the, the the shitty beat up PA. You know, we've done that in our history, but we've taken this interest recently in like, man, let's really create something for the the fans of our band to enjoy. Right. We are trying to create a more of a world that people can sink their teeth into. Yeah. You know, and so far for us it's been working. You know, if we could do what bands like Minor Threat and Black Flag and Bad Brains did with pure, raw fury, you know, we would certainly do that. And I guess I guess we do drift into that from time to time. But we also don't want to stay in just that one conduit. Yeah. You know, well, there, well, you guys I mean, you guys never have an issue bringing it live like you guys are a great live band. So. So the song like will not sound like that live, but it's the alcohol. Are you, you going yeah. to get, get like the Aussie dude that's like behind all the stacks that's like <laughs> just doing the uh, doing the intro to Mr. Growley and then like drinking <laughs> drinking like, a beer, drinking like five beers until he comes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah you're him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, you have to be there dude, on Friday. I would be I would be totally into having. By the way, learn all the little bells and whistles and parts by Friday. I would be totally just into a, having... Just a percussion table and an organ? Yeah. Dude, I would be into that. A sampler and all sorts. I would be into that. I'd be into having, like, people who who are, like, kind of like the uh, the auxiliary, the, the, the ruckus auxiliary that are, like, you know, having a, a, a synth keyboard player on stage, you know, bringing out horns. I want to have um, the guys from Hangman's Hymnal come sit in with us on... Uh, uh, someday, uh, which is going to be one of the deeper cuts off this album. We do this whole, like, Shel Silverstein story country song. Yeah. And I would love to have the guys from, like, Hangman's Hymnal come out and play fiddle and and piano and banjo and stuff like that, you know? Right I, on. I like the idea of putting on a concert for people. Yeah. And it's like we've had... We've had a lot of fun being the bar band for many years, but we're getting to the point now where we don't get to play as much as we would like. How can we step it up a little bit and make our make our less frequent appearances more memorable? Make it an event. Yeah, make it an event. Yeah. Exactly. Which is why I started, you know, if, if I, I haven't gotten much criticism on the jumpsuits, I've gotten... <laughs> I, I haven't Criticism? Gotten, no, I mean, you know, people... People like to throw shade on on gimmicks, and people like to throw shade on 
on purists, I would say. Cynical-ass purists like to throw shade on people for doing stuff. But it, I haven't gotten any. But if I ever did, my response would just kind of be like, man, fuck off. I just I like to play dress up and I like yeah, to yeah. I like to entertain people. You know, that's jumpsuits that, are awesome. I, well, and I don't destroy in general. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah, well, I mean, people don't want to see another fucking bearded guy in tight jeans and a fucking t-shirt of an obscure band that they don't know anything about. By the way, shout out to Glitter Dick. I'm wearing your shirt right now. It's true, he is. Yeah, I'm wearing a I'm wearing a Glitter Dick shirt. You're wearing a Ford Theater reunion shirt. And you're am. wearing a Fu Manchu shirt. Fu Manchu. They're all yeah, all solid bands. Not household names. These bands, Not really. it can make you, it can make you feel a little alienated if you go see a band and they're just wearing cool T-shirts of bands you've never heard of. Dude, I'm, Fu Manchu, that's that's a goddamn good band, that's right a tight there. Band. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I love hey, that man. band. Well, dude, we we ran out of time. We got to talking for I so don't fucking think we long. We ran out of time. We talked about some cool shit. Yeah, yeah. We talked we talked about all kinds of cool shit. It was a good podcast. Um, I fucking miss doing it with you guys. I know it was only a week, but. We're not going to have guests anymore. It's yeah. just going to be the three of us just <laughs> talking, just hanging out and talking. Hey, man, at the rate we're going with guests dropping off, that might be the fucking case anyway. That's um, what I'm we saying. We can just rotate who the special guest is. No, we've yeah. got... We have, <laughs> it's me! <laughs> this week. Actually, we're going to have... Uh, Gordo! The, we're going to have the... We're going to have the... We're going to have the dudes from Muscle Beach next week. Uh, we're going to get... Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, heard that, heard that before. Twice. Um, we're going to get uh, Justin LaSalle from Axe Slasher is going to be on here soon. Um, I think we've got Groovy Newville, uh, this amazing publicist... Uh, that uh, that you should really know about. Um, he's going to be on here to talk about us, uh, talk to us about marketing and stuff. Uh, we got all sorts of cool people coming up, so stay tuned for that. Uh, until next time, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. You've been listening to the motherfucking podcast. I'm Aaron Howell. I am Logan O'Connor. Jordo. Jordo. Did you just wrong name yourself? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Did you just... Burger. (laughs) All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. The Motherfucking Podcast is recorded at the Nug Nation Studios in Denver, Colorado, and hosted by Aaron Howell, Tony Lee, Logan O'Connor, and occasionally even Ty Blosser of the international power rock combo Motherfucking Ruckus. Our producer in the studio is Gordon Ledfoot. Our producers in Chicago are Gene Skibbins and Adam Zielinski. All music except homie shoutouts and featured artists is written and performed by MF Ruckus and comes from the album The Front Lines of Good Times Volume 1, coming this fall on Rodeo Star Records. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, if you find this podcast valuable or entertaining and you wish to support MF Ruckus further, you can rate, review, share, subscribe, follow us on any of our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. If you really want to help us do what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash mfruckus and become a patron at any level. Our patrons get access to exclusive content, early releases, guest list spots, even VIP parties with beer and food, all in exchange for a small monthly contribution. It really does make a difference and allows us to do this podcast, make records, create videos, go on tour, fly Tony back and forth, and all the other stuff we love to do for you guys. Patreon.com slash MFRuckus. Check it out. Thanks again, guys.
You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 